everybody. Welcome back to There Will Be Dungeons. That's right. TWBD for Sunday, May 3rd, 2020. I'm Scott Johnson with Bo Schwartz, John Jagger, Kristen Ashton, Ashton, and Kyle Ferguson. Baby Chunks is with us as well, and we're happy to be back for yet another show. We're going to dive right in today because we have a lot to say, a lot to cover, and a lot to find out about on today's edition. Before we do that, though, we let Kristen wrap things up from last time on There Will Be Dungeons. Last time on There Will Be Dungeons, the fist was finally free. Diving from defeat atop the tower, the four found themselves followed by more marauders, plus a maddened minotaur and a familiar fiend, Spatulo. Loaves brought Stanley once more to death's door as Nash and Hope blinked out of the battle, leaving the lizard alone. Clawing through Stanley's clothes, he captured the key to the container and released the relic. It pulsed with potent power. Burrell dared to don the device, but a mummified mitt arrested his ambition. Desperate to deter the lizard, a creature cast a crafty control, causing Varel to give up the gauntlet. Yet as it careened closer to calamity, it called to hope. Featherfall finished and all adversaries gravitated to the ground. Hope's broom barreled to whisk the weapon to the tower, but the creation of the container finally revealed its reason. The vestige was vile, and the barrier barred it. Demons dealt more damage, closing closer and closer to complete collapse of the companions. Nash ran to refuge with Stanley and Elantris as Varel advanced his attacks. Hope rushed to the rarity, deterring its descent to the demons by merging with the mummified mitt. An explosion emanated out, and Hope transformed into an abhorrent aberration. Time tarried as a cowled creature came forth. He grew back the eye of Grosjil before beckoning Hope to follow to the fiends. Displeased with her doing of the deal, they nevertheless knelt to her abominable appendage. She was then whisked away to a curious casino where Asmodeus dared her to drink with him. She accepted. Meanwhile, tucked in the tower, Stanley, Nash, and Varel reeled from the retreat, rarely wondering what would happen next. Now we join our heroes as they confront the conflict's catastrophic conclusion. Where will they wind up next? Will Tabacho ever receive his reward? And can Stanley and the Commander's seduction survive the seeming sellout? Stay tuned for today's adventure through the high heights and singular sights of the Outlands. done as always all right Bo. let's do it picture with me if you will a rolling countryside that was once green and verdant and now charred black by the presence of demons and devils all throughout the lands and as you picture this countryside picture it moving at a brisk speed and that there are one no two no a dozen Paladins atop Pegasi, flying atop the countryside towards a target in the distance. A tower, white and strong, shaped like an Xbox Series X in the distance. As the flock of Paladin riders makes its way forward, it takes into its view an airship and two smaller airships approaching the tower ever so closely. The Pegasus riders slow down as they reach the tower and glide to the ground below. Clip, 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 clip. Their hooves go as they hit the ground. Stanley, Varel, and Nash Maggard of the Solar Mines, you see the sight of a flock of Pegasus riders flying towards your location from the open front door of the White Tower. 
Pegasus Rider's land. And in the front is a very large man in white and gold armor. He has a, a you know, a five o'clock shadow growing in, mutton chop beard and long locks of black hair. He descends to the ground and he looks toward, he looks towards the tower of white sees that the door is open and begins making his way determinedly towards the front door. This is a really good story, but you're all white now. Everything about your screen is white. Well, the sun's in the camera. It'll pass. All right. I thought you were doing it to set up the paladin, like total Gandalf moment. No, this is just, this is just some shit I'm dealing with here. (laughs) It's just, it's so annoying. And you guys are super distracted. No, that's good. But now that we know, my exposure is at the lowest, and my game like this is me with everything at the lowest. This is all you get. It's because of the sun. It looked like you were part of the rapture, and I was starting to worry that we were losing you. But it'll pass in a quick second. You'll just have to think of me as a wispy voice in the void, in the white void. Easy to pleasure. No problem. Um. All right. So, so, uh, so this night he he lands down and he begins uh, making his way briskly towards the front gate of the White Tower, and the three of you are standing in the middle. Uh, in the middle of this doorway area, when last we left off, you know, bringing in the, the the fist, which is contained in the floating box, which I believe you gave to Walnut to go put away. Did that and happen? I, think- we? I thought we hadn't decided. I thought we just brought it in. Okay, that could be. We oh, Walnut is there. We well, Walnut is standing there, uh, has appeared, uh, and I think you did exchange words with him last week. But this knight begins walking up to the front door, and he goes, <clears throat> Where's the knight commander of this tower? You! And he walks up to you, Varel. He sees you in the doorway. Why are you not in your armor? Was there not a battle here? What excuse do you have for standing about? Without any clothes on. This is how I always am. This is how... <laughs> Are you not a knight uh, of, of Euphemius? One of his swords? You're you're standing in the tower. No, I'm not. And, and he looks towards Nash. What about you? Where's your armor? I don't... I don't wear armor. I'm not you're a paladin. Muted, and thus I can't hear a word you're saying. Wait. Hello? He's still muted. Why is he making fun of me? Am I really muted? Hold on. Frustrated. Apparently uh, I was muted. Sorry. I didn't. Only to you guys. Everybody else heard me. So I don't know what that was about. Anyway, Nash says, I don't wear armor. You think it's some kind of funny joke to mime words, but not really say them to a commanding officer? There's no accounting for your hearing. What's I'm your sh- name? Nash Magard of the Solar Mines. <clears throat> and yours, Lizard. Vrel Rasphim Kirik, and I will not stand to be belligerated by a man who is late for the battle. Your knights have failed this day. They were victorious because of us. Excuse me? Why are you talking like you're not part of the Euphemian army? Because I'm not. He starts moving his head around like, 
Then what are you doing in the tower? I'm good enough to enter. The last of the three that I'm going to inquire with. Uh, please explain the misbehavior of your two comrades here. Who are you? <laughs> who, who am I? Yeah, I'm who, Captain who Skarim. I'm Captain Skarim, Euphemian captor in the Euphemian military. I've been at the head of this campaign for a decade. Mm-hmm. Well, why don't I you hope go when I speak... find the night commander and have her explain it all to you? We were busy here defending the little tower while you were, I assume, elsewhere. She can explain it all to you. I'm not part of your order, nor do I have any interest in joining, so be kind and bugger off. <laughs> he sits there in frozen astonishment for a second or two. Right. <clears throat> Men, watch these. If it says they say they are, they are not Euphemian knights. Treat them as hostiles. I'll be back to speak with you later. This is a reset of what happened earlier. They're all going to be mad at us. Captain Scroats here is going to go upstairs, lose his <laughs> mind on the commander, come down here, punish us, and we'll be right back where we started. Um. So the knight walks off as you say this, and some more knights that came with him on the Pegasus get off and form a semicircle around you, pinning you to the wall, but nothing aggressive. They're keeping space. But they are watching you. Uh, and Walnut speaks up behind you and says, <clears throat> Oh, that's um, Captain Skarim. He's a legendary fighter. He's been at the head of this campaign for a decade, like he said. Do we have everyone here? Yeah. Thank you, Walnut. <laughs> I think I, I see one. Hope, Hope isn't here. She transcended Walnut. Surely you've heard the word. Walnut Hope didn't make it back with the rest of us. Oh. Um, but she's not dead? No. No, she's quite alive. Oh, that's a relief. Thank, thank you, Phoebus. <laughs> I'm sure Euphemius will be with her wherever she is right now. Right. Well, not... I, I need... For a moment. <laughs> well, about the captain, don't worry. Well, He's a little what? rough, but okay. it's okay. All right. Uh, They'll understand that... You I, guys I hold are the my good hand guys. over my ear that's facing Walnut and try to talk <laughs> to Nash and Stanley. Okay. This is going to happen again. Now's our best time to get out with what's left of the fist. Uh, well, I'm assuming this is this is immediately following the battle. Like, have we we haven't had our rest at this point, oh, right? No. So, in theory, this would be me with one hit point, right, and no spells. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's wherever we were left. Right? <laughs> so we'll get our long rest in just a second. Here, a, but... a charred, dripping blood onto the floor. Stanley looks at Varel. 
Well, I'm not entirely sure that now is going to be the best time to take any action that might potentially earn any level of ire towards us. You know how this is going to go. We're going to get in the tower. They're going to discuss the fist. They're going to turn to me and be like, where'd the eyeball come from? And they're going to all get all, all beheady again. <laughs> and unless your silver tongue can once again wile us out of this, I fear that we will once again find ourselves in a circular loop. Tomorrow, you guys will be okay, says Walnut. What? <laughs> You'll be fine. And what makes you think that? Sorry, I overheard you, Varel, because you were clearly trying not to talk to me, but then you talked really loudly. So I heard that. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I wouldn't worry about it. And why not, you, Walnut? Because many of the men and women fought side by side with you and saw the true nature of your heart today. Let there be no doubt. That's just Captain Skirim's way. He's very rough and probably very disappointed in losing, well, the, the treasure. He's been trying to get that secured for a decade. That's a decade of his life's work gone up some smoke today. Gone up in smoke. Sorry, I don't know why I said that weird. <laughs> you are walnut after all. I guess what I'm saying, Pharrell, is uh, it may attempt to repeat what has happened before, and there is plenty we can do about it in the morning, but very little we can do about it. At yes, the you deserve a rest. Hey, they, they deserve a rest, he says to the knights. He, he stands up and he says, look, they fought really hard today, and I'm going to take them to their chambers so they can get some food and get rest. And if you try to stop me, well... You'll have to answer to me, he says to the knights around them. And they well, all kind of look well, at each man. other. They go, oh. And then one of them kind of smiles, uh, a man. And he looks down and he nods his head towards the stairs. He looks at all of you and he, he nods. He's like, good, come with me. And Walnut begins walking towards the stairs. I'm going to scoop up the box. All right, scoop up the box. Stanley's gonna hobble behind. All right, all right. And as as the three of you make your way to the stairwell to go and rest, nothing happens. Sorry, I said that sentence weird. Uh, you make your way up the stairs, and you're you return. Are you returning to your resting chambers for this rest we talked about? Uh, yes, I would be returning to where we all slept. Okay, perfect. Uh, I feel Pharrell as if Nash. I am. I am. Desperate for for rest. You are desperate for rest. Okay, yeah. perfect. So the, the three of you, uh, well, the four of you with Walnut, make your way up the stairs and make your way to your chambers, which does anyone have any separate or Stanley potentially does. Are you going back to your room or are you going back to Alentris's room? I'm going back to our room. Yes, okay, perfect. So you enter into the kitchen. I take it back. And... I don't know when I did this. I don't know when this happened. I have all my points and all my slots are open. Did we do? Yeah, we long rest. We, we long rested la at the end of last week's episode. We did. Okay. And we're, we're just gonna we're gonna now play out that long rest okay, okay. right now. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. I for I forgot that little detail, but um, we're we're making it good on it. All right. So everyone makes their way to the uh, the. 
the guest chambers. Any thought as to what you're doing with the fist at this point? Or the box containing the fist? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I'll even, I'll, Nash will say, Varel, what do you want to do with that thing? Are you going to sleep they're, with it? They're too superstitious to open the box, yes. Even with the glove part still inside, they never dared open it. I say we take the glove out. We're taking it. It is ours. And this new Grimmies is not going to ruin our plan. Hope sacrificed her humanity to get us the glove and get us home. So we take the box back to Tabacho? That was not the person I was planning on betraying. Oh. We leave the empty box here for the paladins to enjoy. They would be too afraid to open it anyway. We take the glove itself and deliver that to Tabacho. I'm fine with that. And if your powers of prestidigitation are available, Stanley, I can think of one place they wouldn't dare look for the glove. What do you think? There's a certain box Nash made use of in the closet. (laughs) I mean, not wrong. Uh, Yeah. um, It's not a bad hiding spot, I suppose. You could clean that up, yes? Oh, yes, but... uh, Oh, okay. And no one would dare search for it in there. I don't know if I want to even go in there to attempt it. I don't know if I can survive this for real. I've been... Stanley's just kind of muttering to himself. <laughs> he looks towards the door that's been shut. Our other option is to hope that Walnut is a good enough spokesperson for us come tomorrow's trial and following execution, I am sure. I mean, look, nobody that Tabacho sent knows that we failed to get the real item. I mean, and the order here, as far as we know, they're done with it. They told us as much that they were only interested in the hand more than the glove. We could take this back to Tabacho and say, here, as as asked, so we deliver. If it's not what he wanted, he should have given us better instruction on what to bring him. I agree. And we succeed in a bit of a good deed, as we don't give a villainous um, scumlord a hand that he can attach for great power. He instead gets the glove. Exactly. Now, I still have the, and I'll pull out the little communicator, the uh, device to signal... When we're ready for a pickup, I can tell them that it was a hard-fought battle, we're recovering, but that we have the item they're looking for, and we'll be ascending tomorrow. I like all of this. Nash, do you have any problems with this plan? No. This is good as any. Alright, so I will take out the little sending stone and push the button that Hope showed me on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll send a message that basically says, The battle was difficult. 
very bloody, and we lost many, but we have secured the item. We are resting, and we'll be returning it in on the morrow. <laughs> I, got, I got I got distracted because Bo, you waved your hand and appeared, but the it's the, magic. the the dust was catching the light. It looked like there was oh. a fire in your in your apartment. <laughs> I have my windows open. I guess it got dusty in here. Uh, it's much better. Wait. Oh my gosh. All I right. can't watch what those I have to hold my hand in front of the light. Oh, I'm that's the only way it works. Okay. Right. I have a g so, I, the people at home are watching a gif of you make a face. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> All right. And then I put the sending stone away. Mm hmm. Now, I guess the only question remains is that the night commander didn't seem too eager to get the glove back. Do we still feel we should hide it just in case? I mean... Yes. Hide. Well, I know that's what you would want, because <laughs> I think you want to see me suffer, but... I think it adds credence to our story if we're able to deliver it exactly as requested, complete with the key they told us to get and the locking mechanism that was required for it. Varel, do you agree? I agree. We just... We could get stuck here. I say we... Proposition that the glove is our payment for aiding in the battle. I mean, we can still put it in the room. I mean, we're outside of the room, and even now, I don't want to go anywhere near it. One thing does strike me. If it is a glove that still contains great evil, would it somehow manifest in Nash's leavings and create some sort of monstrosity? <laughs> I don't even want to imagine that. And... <laughs> I certainly don't want to create it. There's nothing that says anything I left in that room, in that closet, will interact and create something worse. In fact, I'm hard even I'm hard-pressed to think of anything worse than what I left in there. These these worries are for naught. I don't have, we, I don't we have magical poo, okay? I don't have arcane poo. How do you know? You once burst into fire for no good goddamn reason. Yeah, I was I had, just thinking about that very instant. But it had nothing to Nash. do with my poo, and also that was when I was I was getting the puberty for the dragon stuff. That was that's different. That doesn't we count. We don't know. It could be colonial in nature. Colonial. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a far-fetched idea, but if you guys are that worried about it, then don't use my bucket, I guess. No, Morel's right. We don't know how you work, Nash. I mean, he told me a story about you being a floating heart with limbs sticking out of it. Yeah, the, you missed that. That was a weird time, and it had to do with us being... Oh, I mean, I would, I'd have been dead like you had, had I not had that heart. That's not so hard to understand. But everybody poops. And it's not like there's, you know. I feel like you missed the moral of my story, but <laughs> sure. <laughs> we we lock it in the room. If we are so inclined, we could even post a watch, make sure nobody comes sneaking in here. 
<laughs> Fair enough. We put it in the closet for now. We all need our rest. I hate to admit that I am not up for a watch myself. Me neither. All right, so the poo is going in the... Sorry, the glove is going in the room with the poo? Yeah, yes, but not the in the, the box. Yeah, yeah we're going to just okay. put the chest in there okay. and, and shut it all up. Let's return to the map just so I can see what the deal was here. <laughs> just in case it comes up. I don't think it will, but you never know. Floor five, right? Yeah, that's mean, floor five. Sure, we'll say yes. Yes, floor five. Of course, floor five. We know it so well. There you go. Yeah, so it's in here. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. So there's like other tubs and cl- cupboards and closets that you can put that stuff in there. All right, I'm going to move everyone to the room. All right. Um, anything else you guys want to do before bed apart from secure that fist? Anything else? Not that I'm aware of. No, All right. I don't I don't think Stanley has the energy for much else. He's just gonna collapse. Alright, before you collapse into bed, a return message is sent on your sending stone and it buzzes. Alright, I press it. All right, you press it and put it up to you here, and you hear, Thank you for finally reaching out to us. We will make our descent now and park out front of the tower and meet you at the appointed time. Is Spatulo okay? That's all you get. Okay. Am I supposed to call them back? <laughs> <laughs> no, they have a, the sending stones have a limit of once per day, right? I think, yeah, that's my understanding. Okay. okay. Yeah. That's the message you got. All right. Anything else before bed? Nope. It's gonna be All right, bad. so everyone just crashes on, on their respective beds. Sleep comes quickly. You're full rested. You're leveled up to level 11. Everything good? Yes. I think so. Yep. All right. <clears throat> you were all awakened by the shrill sound of Walnut screaming, Nash! 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 Watch! Gosh dang it, you little shit. What? What? There's a knocking at the door, and you hear Nash from behind the door. Oh, not Nash. Walnut. Nash! All right. Nash! I'm, I'm coming. Are you the, decent? The b- burning hells. And I open the door, and I go, What? What walnut? We're sleeping. It's, it's, it's I, I know I, I wouldn't wake you if it wasn't important, but it's really important. Well, well what 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 is happening? Um, so I didn't see this firsthand, but people have said that <clears throat> during the battle you may have may have conjured a moon. Oh no! <laughs> what? Yes, well, t- what um, happened with the moon? So Just spit it out. Some visitors from the moon are here. Oh. And we don't know what to do with them, but they seem to have a lot of energy. Uh, they started bugging the watch early this morning. Um, we can't speak to them. We don't know what to do with them. And we figured, since it was you that summoned them, maybe you can make them, you know, return them to where they come from or find out what they need. Maybe they needed help. I don't know. 
can you come down and, and see what they want? How many are there? Two. And they came in a big boat. Okay. It's just the two. They don't have a bunch of others with them. Just two of them. There are two of them. Walnut, you need to be clear on this. Are there more than two? There are two. Two. All right, let's go, and I'll throw my robe on and grab my staff and tuck it in. So you can tell it's really early in the morning. It's deathly quiet throughout the tower. Probably most people are still sleeping and recovering from it. So maybe if you had to guesstimate five or six in the morning. Mm -hmm. Anyways, Walnut runs down the stairs at breakneck breakneck pace. Breakneck pace. She's running down the stairs. And you you keep up uh, because you're more able-bodied than you appear to be. And you make your way down to the first floor, and you see that the front door is open, and that the early morning sun is starting to shine through. And there are two knights kind of talking to these two silhouettes of what look like um, balls that stand about a foot off the ground and have six legs. Oh my and gosh! Okay. <clears throat> and and they appear to be hopping in place. And as you get closer, and while it's like here, here they are. Um, you, you hear like a weird like like hear this weird sort of vocalization. Okay. So as you get close, you see there's like a knight standing with his hands on his hips, leaning down and trying really hard to listen to these beings. And as they finally come into the light, you see that they're these yellow furry beings with no eyes or nose, but there's it appears to be a little mouth inside the meatball-shaped body of about a... It's about a foot sphere. Mm-hmm. And that has these six hairy legs uh, on either side, yellow-furred. And you, you hear, see the being, it's just a mouth opens up and it goes, Tunga, 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 Tunga. And then the other one opens their mouth and goes, Tunga, 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 Tunga. And the paladin's just like, what in the blazes are they talking about? Walnuts, where did they come from? Uh, hold on. I know where they're from, but I don't speak this Tunga language. And neither do these people. Uh, I'll... No, I, I know they come from, They clearly come from that moon up in the sky that Walnut says you conjured. Yeah, that but was an accident. Where are they from? Where do they speak such a mad language? <clears throat> well, they're from it, that moon, and they speak whatever language they speak, but it was a chaotic creation. I, There's uh, probably just random. I don't think anyone knows what they speak. They're tunga, just... Tunga, 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 Yeah, see, this is just all... This is all from the This is all from the chaos. And now that you have a better view of the front of the tower area, you see that there are two of these yellow fur balls with six legs talking to you guys. And in the background, there's like this silver plate looking thing with a glass dome over top of it. It's got four little legs on each side of the plate. And there's a little ladder leading up into the glass dome from underneath. Tunga, 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 tunga. So like table talk, it's a it's like a spaceship, like a it saucer. Looks like a UFO, like a, like, it looks like from the solar mines, you would have recognized that as like UFOs from okay. such films as Mars Attacks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's what I thought. Um, I'll I'll just mumble. Oh, geez, this is not this is not good. Uh, uh, and I'll, I'm going to yell at the one closest to us. I'm going to go, uh, uh, Tunga, do you, 
Hey, do you guys speak any other language other than Tonga? Okay, and I, as you say Tonga, it's like the first time they, they heard it. Both of the furry bodies move in their direction, and you see that they have an, each have an eyeball that pokes out of the fur, but in different spots. And then it's almost like the eyeball is not attached to them, but just hangs out in their fur and seems to move around their body. And then they both go, Tonga! At the same time when you say Tonga. Okay. Guards, stay stay here. I'm going to lead them out a little way and try to communicate with them. I'm just going to try to get them away from the entrance, away from the door. Okay, you, okay, you want them to follow? Right, yeah, I want so... them to follow. So I'm going to go, Tunga, Tunga, and do like this, like a follow me. Okay, persuasion roll, please. All right. Sweet, I was hoping I'd get to do a roll. All right. Oh, the sound's off, but that's all right. 16. Okay, so the, the two creatures that I'm going to refer to as Tungans, uh, just for the brevity of it all. Uh, the Tungans look at one another, and they go, Tunga? 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 And then they look towards you, their eyeballs roll around their furry body, and they start walking, and start following you. Tunga? 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 Yes, Tunga. Tunga, follow me. Tunga? Tunga? Yes. Follow me. Alright, where are you leading them? Alright, I'm going to take them to just a little ways out so it's just not i just don't want them in there so let's say i don't know uh 35 feet away from the entrance okay if that's possible you walk them away and their 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 eyes look at you with puzzlement wondering where you're leading them um all right they're shorter than me right like by a lot yeah they're about two feet tall okay i'm gonna kneel down in a in a gesture of sort of you know kindness not i don't want it to seem aggressive mm-hmm. and i want to i want to sort of kneel down and you know look them in the eye and smile with my ugly face and say uh, i'm just gonna say tunga and i'm gonna point back to the moon and and point at them and go tunga i'm like go go the f back up there go back up up there to and where your their is. eyes follow where you're pointing yeah. and they fall they walk back in their fur to a place where they can see you, and they go, Tunga, 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 Tunga. And they sort of nod in agreement that, yes, you've pointed at Tunga. Oh. And do I do I gather from this interaction that, that's t- that the moon is Tunga? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can say that. Okay. And I'll, so I will say, I'll go, oh, so the moon is Tunga. Tunga is the moon. Tunga, um, Tunga, Tunga. And I'm going to screw with them and go, Tonga, what do they say? They stop and blink, and then the two eyes look at each other, and they look back at you. Tonga, one says. In a questioning kind of tone? Yeah. I'm going to say, really enunciate, I'm going to go, beef jerky. Just to see what they do. They blink. They look at each other. Tunga. Tunga, Tunga. <laughs> All right, I give up. Um, I'm going to... Well, what were you trying to do? I was just trying to see if I could get them to say something besides Tunga. Like, oh, okay. I got you. Okay. They're talking like Hodor. <laughs> okay. Freaking Hodor monsters. Um, oh, 
half tempted to go to the ship. Is the ship down, or there's a shaft of light yeah, or glass, it's, like it's, whatever you said? It's landed, and actually, as you survey the area, not only do you see the UFO, but you see uh, the airships have landed, too, and there's three airships parked uh, just a ways away from the tower. Just our, our regular expected airship style airships. Airships that were in the sky during the battle okay. have now landed. All right. Yeah. Um, and you can, even though it's daytime, uh, through the blue sky, you can see the moon. Uh, as you look up with Tunga, there's a city on the moon. All right, I'm going to say Tunga, Tunga, and I'm going to start walking toward their ship. Okay. And if they're not following me, I'll make gesture. To... Oh, they follow you. Okay. And then one of them sort of speeds ahead of you a little bit and goes, Tunga, 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 Tunga. I'll say, tell me about it, and then we'll just keep walking. Okay, so you're at the ship now. All right, and is it open? Is it a thing I could go into? I mean, there appears to be a ladder, and when you look up at the sort of very massive plate, uh, you're not quite, I mean, you you know what it is because you're Nash, but it's very strange looking. Um, You see that there's a little uh, open door at the top of the ladder, and it leads inside. All right. I'd like to do a hmm. I want to I want to try to sense or feel or get a notion of whether it's dangerous for me to go in there. And since I can't talk to them, I don't know how to do it. Uh Walnut's around, maybe you could ask. Oh, him. is Walnut around? Oh, that's right. Hey Walnut, get your freaking it, ass over here, I say to Walnut. Yeah, I'm coming, coming Nash. Did you have any luck? Uh with your diplomacy? Uh we're getting there, but listen, you need to um you need to come in you need to come up here with me. Okay. Wait, I'm, what? I'm bringing you with. Just we're just going to go we're going to go see what's inside of here. They seem friendly. Um uh, that's not a good idea. Why? You, do you do you know enough about these do you don't know what do you know about these guys? Uh it's the first time seeing of them, but you shouldn't enter into strange vehicles. I know, but I believe in the buddy system. So come with me. You're my buddy What's today. What's the buddy system? It's a thing I learned a long time ago in a place I was, where I was, where I was raised. It's not important. I don't have to explain but things to you. What does the system do? It just means that we've got each other's back. There's two of us instead of just one of us. So if one of us is in trouble, the other can run and get help. That kind of thing. It's the buddy system. Okay. Yeah. Because the way you said it, it sounded like it was a rationale for breaking the rule. But then when you explained <laughs> it, I see that it wasn't. No, it's not so at all. We can we can do the buddy system without going into this thing. You're right, but we but we need to go. We need to. I mean, if we don't go in there, they're just they're just gonna hang around here and. Who knows what trouble they could get in? We don't need this right now. When my oh, companions wake they up, seem to be pretty peaceful, Nash. I, I don't. I wouldn't worry about it. Stanley and Varel are not going to be happy, and they've come I out think and they find just need our help. Brand new, yeah, but with what? Their tongue. All they say is Tunga over and over. We don't know what that means. Oh, you don't speak their language? No. Oh, um. Can yeah, you? That's a problem. Could, do you have any tricks that you, that you were taught here, Euphemius? Come down and go, I bless Walnut with the power to tell what the hell these fuzzy shorty things are talking about. You have that? Um, no. All right, then come in here with me. We're just going to check it out. All right, persuasion roll, please, or intimidation. Um, 
I'll do persuasion because I've got really high persuasion. Right? Hold on. It's been a while. Yeah, plus eight. So, okay. Um, that's going to be a 28. Well, that would be a nat 20 plus an eight. Okay. Go, goes, okay. I'm coming, Nash. Right, let's go. Sweet. All right, so we'll we'll make our way up the ramp or whatever it is, stairs. All right, you make your way up the ramp. You hear tunga, 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 and it seems positive. And as you make, you make your way inside this room, there's this large glass dome that you're now in. And on all sides, there are either these weird little chairs that are ball-shaped. They're not really for human butts. They look like they're for ball butts. And <laughs> <laughs> they're like little egg cups. Like, it's weird. Okay. And then... Um, <laughs> and then... <laughs> And, and then there's all these terminals and buttons and lights everywhere all along the side. And um, as you get in, the two um, Tungans uh, close the hatch behind them and begin taking positions uh, at different seats. And as they do that, augmented reality begins to take place and all this stellar cartography begins appearing in the space of the dome above it, including all these readouts and displays along the glass. It's like super Google Glass. Okay. All right, this is your last chance to disembark before we go on a journey. Oh, Wait, are we leaving? Is that the plan? Yeah, that they're getting. They, they look like they, they've climbed. They've climbed on in and closed the door behind them as you've got in. Okay, hold on. Oh shit! Do I really want to go on a trip with freaking Walnut? Ah. <laughs> uh. This is bad. Um, I'll go, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, you, got, you know what? People have to make big decisions about their characters. Think long and hard. I mean, Hope had a moment last week. Maybe you've got your moment today. I know. Um, <laughs> I mean, I have to admit, and I think Bo knows this, I'm really curious about the moon and the city up there. Because right. slowest TPK in history, just <laughs> one by one, and we're losing everybody. Because this is so like I made this out of chaotic freaking wild magic, and Nash would want to know. Like I want to. Do we all roll tungans? I know. Oh man, we're gonna have a third character, <laughs> alien characters. Everyone just says tunga tunga the whole time. All right, I. I'm gonna do what Nash would do. Because honestly, like if this was a piece of something on the ground in a dungeon, he'd want to lick it. If this is a moon in the sky that he helped make, and he's in a ship to go there, he's gonna go. And I brought walnut for a human shield slash, you know, expendable little pal or someone who can get word back if something goes wrong. So I'm, we're we're gonna go. Also, I know that there's, I've got a portal back there I can get back to. And if, and if I get up to Tungan land and I have to make another portal to get there, I would assume I can create the portal network from up there as well. I guess. You mean talking about teleportation circle? Yeah, yeah the circle. Did I, you did you write down or the, the code for the t white tower? Uh, yeah, Remember, he did. Did I? He did? Yes. Okay. We took the time for him. Yeah, so the, rune, you, the runes and stuff, I did and that. Correct me if I'm wrong, you don't need a teleportation circle... It just takes a lot of time if you're going to one from, say, a non-teleportation. Cor correct. Right? It's, yes, it's yeah. like five minutes or something. It's not. It's not a okay. battle thing at all. I can't all right. do it. In then the fight. yeah, then you know, yeah, you're you're becoming a great 
transdimensional sorcerer. So why yeah. not? All right, let's do it. We're taking Walnut. I'm going to sit down on the little freaking eggshell bum holder and hold on for dear life. Perfect. All right. Uh, ah, I should have left word for everybody, though. I don't know what to do about that. The ship begins to take off. As, as, um, the, you know, it's just hard to comprehend what's going on, even for someone who's sort of fluent in science stuff, because you are from Earth. Yeah. And we're exposed to a lot of it. There's just all kinds of AR business happening around, and you hear the Tungans go, Tunga, 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 Tunga. And then the ship slowly lifts off and begins ascending into the sky. Stanley and Varel. And it was at that moment Nash remembered, oh yeah, I need chalk to make my teleportation circle work. Well, if I have really my robe... expensive, rare chalk. <laughs> if I have my robe on, don't I have... I think I still have chalk, don't I? Hold on. No. Wait, the robe that you got back in Tietkala? No, no, no. Just the whatever I'm wearing now. I thought I had something in my... That I got at the place. Hold on. We never did use that donkey. No, we didn't. No. Oh yeah, that road's you got, long you got, gone. You got the Skyblinder staff, which you can actually now equip on your character because it it is in there because John fixed the, the sharing. Yeah, I did bring that. So um, you should have that. Yep. I don't remember if you have a special robe apart from the rambunctious bunch clothing that Lohar Lohar made. I don't yeah. have anything in my mind. You're right. I don't have any chalk. <laughs> I got. I have two more. I have two scrolls Stanley gave me. John, what were the scrolls Stanley gave me? I forgot. What do those scrolls do? Were those teleportation scrolls? Also, you're gravity. still level 10. You're the only person who's still level 10. How is that possible? Hold on. I went in here and did it Any, last week. Anything's possible. It's okay. Um, I'll give you a bit of time to sort your character out. Uh, I did this last week, though. I went to 11, picked a thing. Okay, I'm at 11 now. So now it should work. Yeah. We have to pick your new spell. Yeah, and I did that. Did well, it? I guess I have to do it. But again. you were level ten. How did you pick it? How did you pick? I, it? I'm saying I went to, to eleven last week, and I chose a I chose a spell last. Oh, week. I see. Okay, something happened. That yeah, and I don't remember what the whatever. frick I did. Hold on. Okay, well, I'll let you do that because the <laughs> the saucer takes off into the sky, and at that moment, something in both Varel and Stanley's mind occur that Nash has been gone a little longer. <laughs> That he should be. And that thought occurs to you whether you wake up <laughs> or not is up to you. We're back to you two. Well, I gotta say, I would have thought by now Nash would be up here asking for our help in some way. I shift myself out from under the bed and kind of lean it on my side. Uh, yeah, it's Nash, though, and I pet my eye of Grosjeel. Uh, you're probably right. He's probably fine. Stanley lays back down and closes his eyes. Okay, you guys both lay back down? Alright. Nash, did you pick your spell? <laughs> they didn't give you a lot of time. <laughs> no, well, I'll get up eventually. A little bit of time goes by, I'll get up. Just, you know, not in a rush to get down, I guess. Alright, well, the next event that happens... Oh, I found it! Uh, Stinking Cloud! That's the one. Yep, sounds right. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Well, as 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 you you get distracted while you're like this fantastic things happening, you're in this saucer flying up into the skies of Outland. Um, what mortal has seen that? Who knows? But you're trying to remember what the name of the spell was that you learned last night. And um, as you finally figure out what it is, stinking cloud, you yell to everyone. They all kind of look at you, 
uh, an explosion occurs off to the side. And a whole bunch of bolts and springs go flying out, including this like electrical surge of uh, just like sparks. And then you hear uh, the Tungans go, Tungan. Or wait, no, what do they say? They say Tungan. Tunga. Not Tungan. Tunga. 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 Yeah, Tunga. Yeah, Tunga. Okay. I called them Tungans like they were Gungans from Star Wars. It's not right. Is this? They say Tunga. <laughs> But they don't say it that way. They say, Tunga. Both at the same time. <laughs> and you begin to feel the saucer sort of lurch on the right-hand side. And just as you're starting to enter into space, and you can see stars uh, everywhere in black sky, you feel the ship lurch and begin falling back to the ground. <sighs> Picking up speed at crazy acceleration. And you, the Tungans are like, Tunga, 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 Tunga. Are they are they, they in distress? Oh, okay, eye, so they and, are distressed. And, and as they cover their eye, yeah. their eye walks around their fur to look around. They have to move their hand around to keep their eye from looking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you're now falling out of space uh, to the ground below from the ship. Oh, jeez. Um. All right. I go, Walnut, come here. To me, Walnut. Uh, I don't think I can make it over there. You see him gripping onto the side of a counter with all of his strength. I will <laughs> leap I will leap over there, grab him. Uh-huh. Uh, he's pretty small, right? Yeah. Uh, I will attempt to grab him and hold him and sort of make him move with me toward the closest door, the closest hatch, the closest something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I will fumble to try to open it if that's possible first. If that's not possible, everybody get ready to lock your shit down because I'm going to do something real bad. Okay, you're heading to the door, right? Yeah. The door. Out. Okay. Um, it just looks like you could. Uh, you watch them open it, and there's this place where they put their hand. And so maybe you can try putting your hand there. I'll put my hand there. All right. You put your hand there, and it. Whoosh, the door is opens and you can see the ground below tiny tiny ground below all right i'm going to then uh kick in my now genetic underwear and i'm gonna jump out of this thing and i'm going to float are you are you gonna float right away or you're gonna jump a little bit and scare i'm gonna jump not to scare walnut but to get away from this thing as best i can i want to try to be away (laughs) from it just, yeah, okay, you've jumped out. So you jump out, you're free-falling, and Walnut's going... Ah! Walnut, keep it together, I got this, and then I'll turn on my underwear. Okay, <laughs> turn on your underwear, and you begin floating, and he grips onto you completely, like, just with all of his might. Okay, can you make a... Well, you you accept it. So you hold on to him, he gra- holds on to you, he's gripping you tightly, his fingers are, like... Like just sinking into your skin, and he's holding on to you for dear life. He's like, ah, 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 "This is too high." It's fine. Just close your eyes. I can keep you safe. Just relax, buddy. System, we're good. Okay. And then you're gonna descend at your ten foot. I speed? will descend at my ten foot speed. Okay. And I'll your do it toward the tower. Is that from yeah. way up in the sky all the way down? Yeah. You're looking at a couple of hours. <laughs> Okay, well, then there's what we're going to do. 
Here's what we're going to do. As you float down with Walnut, you see the ship just going. <laughs> and then it seems preposterous and unlikely, but it's aiming right for the white tower. Shit. <laughs> it's just like. And oh, it explodes it to the side. Um, completely okay. blowing up. However, the tower is undamaged. After the smoke begins clearing, you, you're sort of looking to make sure nobody's going to be mad at you. And the tower seems to be. Uh, in fine shape. Okay. Um, but a bunch of knights come running out and running towards the source of the explosion, trying to figure out what's going on. All right, I'm turning off the underwear to free fall until I'm about... <laughs> Are you really going to do that? Yeah, tell him 100... Why don't, why don't you just float down for a few hours? Because I don't want to do, to I don't do morale, that for two hours. That sucks, being in the air for two hours. I'm going to free... Yeah, but hit me, let me, I want to free fall until it's 100 feet. <laughs> All right. And then I'll kick it on again. So free fall okay. till 100 feet. Uh, <laughs> you begin free falling 100 feet, and one that goes, ah! you begin screaming again as you guys are both uh, falling. And then you said you wanted to turn it on at 100 feet. Yeah, so I'm only 100 feet up from the ground. I want to kick oh, it on geez, again. That's really close. Yeah, but it should be All enough right. to slow the... the, the well, it depends more. on your reaction speed, because this is now going to be a dexterity skill check. Shit. Can it be? It's so close, <laughs> you might miss by 100 feet and be in the ground. Should make it a survival or arcana check. Just kidding. Whatever you want it to be. It's fine. Charisma. It's dexterity. Straight dexterity. All right. Please. Sweet. Well, I don't have a bonus to that, so let's hope for the best here. Uh, no, you can use your sleight of hand. I would accept sleight of hand. You would? The rule. Okay. Yeah. Yep, yep. Sleight Sorry. of hand. I also. Oh, I also have no bonus to sleight of hand. Fantastic. Mm. So this is going to be great. Everybody just hold on to your butts. That would be a 14. A 14. Hmm. All right. Um, so that's just good enough to flick on the switch as you get close. But it isn't at 100 feet. You flick it on at about 80 feet. Okay. And you, so you flick it on, and you're just barely able to break as soon as you hit the ground. You stop in place just as you're heels of your foot touch the ground okay and then you land on the ground and walnut uh is frozen into a statue holding you and just will not let go and it's shaking it's just like <laughs> walnut we're on the ground it's fine relax you're okay now i told you it was fine he's, ca he's, he's catatonic buddy system he's in shock shit um i will carry him to the front of the gate and say He's gonna need some. He's gonna need a bed and some rest, some water. All right. What, uh, one of the paladins walks up and goes, "What? What were you thinking, you madman?" Well, I thought you caught you caught in the <laughs> ship. <laughs> I you thought you were abducted. I know, but I thought I could go and see what this moon was about and get it out of your life. Like it's not supposed to be there. No, no, it's not supposed to be there, says another paladin. I think we might have to find someone to help us with this problem. Doesn't it look closer today than it did yesterday? I don't know. I haven't been paying that much attention to it. The night's all kind of go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It looks a bit bigger in the sky today than it did yesterday. It's you that brought it here. That's what we heard. I told you this already. It was an accident. I didn't control it. It came from what we call wild magic. Think of it as 
chaos. This could have been anything. It could have been a giant grapefruit in the sky, but instead it's a moon. It has a city on it and these little fuzzy guys that say the same word over and over. It's completely well, random. It could have been anything. could have been a giant, that, could have been a huge nipple with talking hairs. That, I don't know. Now that we're done with it, uh, can you unsummon it? No. No. If I could, I would have already done that. All the paladins kind of look at each other and like, Pretty irresponsible use of magic, let's say. Well, you guys would be pretty dead if I wasn't using the magic I was using at the time. And again, I didn't do it irresponsibly. It happened with or without me. Okay. Uh, all right. All right. That's fine. Um, have you ever had the, <clears throat> you ever had to poo so bad and you run down a hallway to find a place to go and you just it starts to come out whether you want it to or not? Think it's like that. It's not on purpose. They all laugh. And they go, oh, <laughs> we know that one. You wouldn't believe how hard it is to go poo once you've put your armor on. If, if you can't hold it for 10 minutes while you're taking off your armor, uh, you know, all of us here have shit themselves trying to take the armor <laughs> off. It's, it's a thing. That's funny. All right. Well, you're in charge of Walnut here. I will let Walnut, I will be, I'll pry him off of me and leave him there. Okay. Strength check, please. All right. Another sweet. No bonus <laughs> roll here. That would be a 12. Okay, you're unable to pry him off for you. Um, I'm going to... Mm, that's annoying to me. So... Do I know what Walnut is the most afraid of? Do I know mm. what that is? Maybe it's falling from the sky? I don't know now. Maybe, no, maybe. you don't know his secrets. Okay. Not not those kinds of secrets. You don't know them. I would like to create a minor illusion just behind us that to Walnut will seem like um uh, what would scare him? I'm just trying to think of what would scare him. <laughs> I want him off of me is what I want. So and and only he would see it. The other guys wouldn't see it because I would. It's just that cantrip that does is that, that. Is that how that magic works? That's how that one works. It? So if you if you create a minor illusion, it, it is it's a targeted thing. Okay. Concentration spell. Mm -hmm. uh, you have to do actually. How does this work? Hold on. Image. It's an image, sound, light, or smell, uh, or any other sensory effect. Physically, physical interaction with the image reveals it to be an illusion. So. Um, okay, here it is. If the creature uh, uses an action to examine the sound or image. The creature can determine that it's an illusion with a successful intelligence or investigation check against your spell save DC. So um, I'm going to make it... I'm just trying to think of stuff he said to us before. I'm going to make an illusion of Euphemius himself. <laughs> Do you know what he looks like? <laughs> no, but I doubt that he, that he does either. So I'm going to create, in my own head, big, flowy, robed-looking, god-looking character with a bunch of armor on, but big, flowing beard and hair right. that, like, floats, and he's all super glowy. But, but this is limit. This this minor illusion is limited to a five-by-five-foot square, right? That's totally fine, yeah. So, he, he's, yeah, it's a, he's a five-foot version of the man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. To be clear. <laughs> yeah. In fact, what it'll be, I'll have him sitting... In a like cross-legged position, 
sort of godlike, you know, <laughs> like basic instinct style. Or yeah. Right? So he's looking like a he looks like a god sitting there. <laughs> Not basic instinct, like like he's meditating, like a. Okay. Cross-legged, not uncrossed. Oh, I, I see what you mean. Yeah, like uh, like Karazim on <laughs> The opposite of, of what uh, what's her name did. So, all right. So he's gonna, just going to be down there in that five. So that maybe I can make him seem bigger, even though he's we're still contained to the five foot height. Okay. Because he'll be sitting. Okay. I, I follow. I follow. And he'll um, be sort of floating there, and he'll be so right. bright and glowy. Just glowing. deception roll, please. All right. Hold on one second. Okay, there's my roller. Wait, where's my deception modifier? It is... There it is, plus four. All right, here it comes. 19. Mmm, nice roll. So with that, um, you feel the... You create the illusion, but you do it, I guess, you know, a little bit carefully. You know Walnut's not paying a lot of attention because he's catatonic. You try to do it so that he doesn't see it. But the rest of the knights see that you perform a spell and that... Um, what does Euphemius look like? What is what are we looking at here? He's just a um, color hair. It's very hair uh, all white hair, flowy yeah. white hair, lots of it. Kind of Zeus looking. He's got a big beard okay. that's also flowing. I got an image. He's got paladin armor on. He's glowing very brightly, like super bright. Okay. You hear in your ear. <gasps> There's a tapping on your shoulder. Nash! Nash! Uh, hey, dude, oh Walnut, oh it's your, it's your... He jump. He gets to the ground, and he gets on all fours, and he starts praying. Perfect. Well done. All right, then I'm going to peel out of there as fast as I can get out of the way from him. <laughs> and as you peel out of there, you're <laughs> from the various knights, and one of the knights gives you a high five if you accept <laughs> on your way. All right. Yeah, I do. Yeah. All right. <laughs> he gives you some skin. Snap. Yeah, I smack him in the hand and... as I run, and I also yeah. end the concentration, and poof goes the god and I okay just, and you're running back inside the tower yeah i'm going back in to get up to stanley and Varel. okay so hope and stanley uh i don't know if you are back asleep or if you were just snoozing but you can hear nash's footsteps return to the room <laughs> yeah i guess still just lounging on the bed a bit recovering i'm gonna walk in there and i'm just gonna i'm not gonna take anything off or anything but i'm just gonna lay back on my bed just lay there okay all right so it's up hey. to you when you guys want to wake up hey nash what uh what's the deal uh, i took a walk with walnut everything's fine yeah no. they said there were some energetic things from the moon yeah they they're not a problem now though i took care of it nothing you ha- you guys need to worry about how did you take care of it? Well, if you want the full story, they took me to their ship. I got in it, took Walnut with me. We were going to go to the Moon City thing that got created. It exploded inexplicably for no reason. The moon? No, this ship we were on. Or it started to break apart and fall apart. So I got out of there, jumped ship, floated, did a free fall, then floated the final few feet to get back here. The ship crashed. It's not big enough to do any damage, but it hit the side of the thing. I'm surprised you guys didn't hear it. And then I came, then I got up here. Oh, and I made Walnut think his god was visiting, that Euphemius was, was here physically. 
Nash, if you had to poop again in the morning, you didn't have to make up a story. You don't care. <laughs> well, I told you you didn't need the whole story, but everything's no different than when I left, so I'm here. We've all rested, I assume. <laughs> That's the important part. Nothing is different. Than Nothing is different. <laughs> okay, guys? <laughs> Nothing has changed. No matter how much it might seem. <laughs> Nothing has changed. <laughs> All right, well, I suppose now that you've finished whatever nonsense you've actually been up to, uh, we should probably get going. Fair enough. Plan still in effect. No change. No one had a revelation overnight on how to do this differently. I don't remember anything about last night, so uh, no. So what's the plan for the fist exactly, or... So I think our intention is that we are going to bring the chest back to Tabacho and present it as mission accomplished. Even though deep down we know he probably wanted the actual hand, he never told us that, and none of his people are alive to say what actually happened on the battlefield. Okay. And have you come up with any plans in place that are formalized for if the knights want the fist back? Tell them we deserve it. <laughs> Tell them no. Okay, I just <laughs> want to know if there were any machinations, tricks, or otherwise. So, okay, as we go, I think I think that's as far as we've gotten on the plan department. All right. So Does that sound right, right, Kyle? Are we on board? No, that that is correct. That is where are we, we currently are. Who's the first to leave the bed chambers to the kitchen? Uh, I guess me, Stanley. All right. So you walk into the next room after dressing. And Me, Stanley. Ready for the day. And as you walk into the room, you see the familiar figure of Elantris Vane, not in her armor, leaning against the other entranceway into the kitchen. She has her arms crossed, and she's looking in your direction. Does it have a I want to talk to you look, or does it... Is There's it an a... I want to talk to you look. Like <laughs> okay. Ah, oh, man. I knew this was going to happen. All right. Now, are you bringing the item with you? Uh, who's, who's who's the carrier of the box? Is it going to be Stanley or Varel or Nash? I mean, Stanley or Varel, rather, because he's, you know, brutish box lifter man. Yeah, I'd be. I'm the one who carried it up, so I'd be the one holding on to it right now. All right, you're the custodian. Perfect. Yeah. Um, so the so yeah. All right. So you walk over to her, or she's she's standing in the doorway, leaning, expecting you to walk over to her. Yeah, I'll I'll go walking over to her. You walk over to her, and she has this serious look on her face. But as you walk over and and get closer. Her eyes soften a bit, and she accepts you into she accepts you into her arms, and she moves in for a deep kiss. Oh. <laughs> well, this isn't what I expected. How I expected this to go. Um... Do you accept the kiss or do you push it away?
All right, you don't have to decide now. We'll let this moment hang. We'll take our midway break, and you can decide what, what's up when we. <laughs> oh come man! Out. Okay, well. People get decision. to think about whether they will kiss someone or not. Yeah. In real life, it's just you're either doing it or you're the moments there, but you get some time to think about. It. Tungu, tungu, tungu. Okay. <laughs> I mean, testing, testing, testing. Sorry. <laughs> I just said Tungu. That wasn't on purpose. <laughs> was right. it un- unintended? Awesome. It was completely unintended. Okay, Tungu. we're back for part uh, two of today's session. Bo, back where we were. Take it away. All right, we come back to Stanley, uh, who approached Elentris Vane, uh, is now being approached by her for an incoming kiss and hold. And Stanley was deciding, it was going, whoa, so this is your moment. Uh, yeah, Stanley's going to return it. Okay. So your lips meet and they sink into one another Ugh. for a deep and passionate kiss. <laughs> you, you now that I realize how uncomfortable it makes Scott, I think this is going to be. There's something about it. You know why? Well, it's, I don't know why. I don't know why it grosses me out. You hear, you hear Nash just go, ugh, from the other room. <laughs> as you have your deep, passionate kiss. And then as your faces <laughs> split apart. Um, uh, she pulls her face away from from yours you see her eyes are red and close to tearing but no tears are out well go ahead Stanley (laughs) We need to talk. All right. I've been asked to return to the High Temple of Euphemius for trial. I'm sure it's nothing to worry about. But yesterday's failure rests squarely on my shoulders as the leader of the regiment here at the White Tower. I must go and answer for the result of yesterday's battle. I see worry on your face. I I don't expect anything dramatic. Perhaps some time away from the field of battle, yes. Meditation, something like that. Wait a minute. They're really levying this against you. It was under my watch, and the one who made off with the hand I allowed into the tower. People have questions, and more than one have brought this up to Captain Skirim. Is it's this okay. his doing? Is is he the one coming down to enforce this? Because I got to Stan- tell you, I met him and he's a real prick. Stanley, it's okay. <laughs> it's all right. This is this is how we we do things here. There's nothing nothing un- abnormal about it. In fact, I'm I'm relieved. I have been fighting in this campaign for over a decade now, and. The idea of being put to task, doing something away from the battle for some time, I think I need it. 
So, so there's nothing to worry about. Uh, don't, don't don't worry about me. Or, or it sounds all very dire, but I don't expect anything serious to happen as a result, apart from losing my post. I mean, you don't think anything dire will happen, but is that a possibility? I'm a faithful servant of Euphemius. I haven't made, in my mind, any decision that would be called for treason or oath-breaking. They may find my judgment to be lacking, but an unintentional error is not cause for severe punishment, such as imprisonment and banishment, execution. I don't think that will be the result of this. What I think is likely to happen, Stanley, is that <clears throat> I'll, I'll hang it up. I'll find another way to serve Euphemius. And even if things go well and there's no punishment, I think I'm still going to do that. I've spent too long on the front lines. It's time for another to take it my place. I mean, I'm not sure that our being here has done you any great favors, but is there anything we can do to help you in this? Well, I don't need anything from Vorel or Nash. What, what do you need from them? What do you mean, what do I need from them? Yes. Um, what, what, what do you plan to do after today? Well, for me, I plan to keep my word. I told them I would get them home, and we're already one less. One person that I can't keep that promise to, so I intend to keep it for those who remain. I want to make sure that they can go home, get back to the lives they're supposed to have. I, more than anyone, understand how why it's important to keep a promise. I can't tell you not to do that. And I suppose it's foolish of me to think that perhaps somewhere inside you you realize that everything that you're looking for was with me. What do you mean? She takes her hands into yours. She looks at you in your eyes and says, Hang it up. Hang up your boots. Come with me to the high temple. We'll find a nice place together. And we'll live our lives peacefully here in the Outlands. Your companions are grown adults. They can find their way.
this world, your world, has a lot to offer that mine doesn't. And the temptation is most definitely there. But it's not a life I can walk away from. It's not something that I can just hang she up. She covers your tape. hands. She covers your mouth with her hand. Do you stop her? Okay. She covers her mouth. I know. It was foolish of me to even think that, that it would be possible. And with tears now streaming down her eyes, she leans in for another kiss. Do you accept? Yeah. There's a sweet, tender kiss. Nash, is there any reaction? Get a room! I yell from the other room. (laughs) (laughs) As the tender kiss finishes, she pulls away with her hands in your hands. I forgot what I was going to say. Shit, what a bad moment for that. Um... With her hands in your hands. She says, Stanley, you are my weakness. She moves her hands up to your cheeks and touches your face. You're a very, very bad man. But you try so very hard to be good. I hope you find the peace you're searching for. And she wipes, she takes her hands off yours, she wipes tears away from her eyes. And she says, Please give me the fist and I will take it back to the vault. And her demeanor becomes sort of cold and impartial. We need this to get back home. It's no longer the artifact that you sought to protect. We're going to finish the job we came to do. I'm sorry to... The fist is not yours to take. It's an evil artifact, Stanley. You don't want to be playing with it. And I have no intention of playing with it. I have an intention of taking it to the person that hired me to bring it back to them and hand it over. The true evil artifact is out of it. It's out in the wild. I suggest you worry more about that than what we do with a trinket. Stanley, you can't take the fist. I would advise you to be very careful with what you tell me I can and can't do. There were four of us when we came to this tower and we're down to three. I was an idiot to put my faith in Euphemia's. You're the one who brought me into this tower and said, Stanley, you're going to need to have a little faith. 
And you know what I've seen? I've seen demons and devils show up. I've seen manifestations of pure evil, and I haven't seen one god shed a single tear for a single thing that's happened. Your people, one after another, have fallen. And not once has there been any sort of action by your god. Your artifact is gone, your people are dead, and now you're being called into question. You want to see what kind of bad person I actually am? This is it. You know why? Because every time I do what everybody else does, and I give in to those temptations, and I do the wrong thing, my status improves. And every time I've put my faith in every anything, I've been let down, hurt, and lost either my life or someone else's, and I'm done with it. To hell with the gods, and to hell with anybody who follows them. I still can't let you leave with that fist. Is she... She, Are there any guards around, or is it just her and us? It's just her. It's just you and her and Varel and Nash, I guess, listening in from the other room. <laughs> I cast Modify Memory on her. Uh, okay. <laughs> oh, oh, shit. You know, we're crossing into... Uh, difficult moral territory when you are going to modify memory on a girlfriend. Um, <laughs> uh, just throw it out there. Uh, let's see. Modify memory at what level? Fourth? Gosh, I'm glad uh, you brought up the, the, uh, the magical roofie there, Bo, because I hadn't thought of that at all <laughs> until you said it. So, good job. Uh-huh. So you, okay, so is there... She has to make a wisdom 17 save. It fails. Really? So you attempt to reshape another creature's memories. One creature that you can must make a saving throw. If you're fighting, it has, it has advantage. So not fighting. On a failed save, they become charmed by you for the duration. The tar charm target is incapacitated, unaware of its surroundings, though it can still hear you. If it takes any damage or is targeted by another spell, it ends. Okay. While it lasts, you can affect the target's memory of an event that it experienced in the last 24 hours and that lasted no more than 10 minutes. Well, that definitely wasn't sex with her because that's more than 10 minutes. Um, yeah. You can permanently eliminate all memory of the event. Allow the target to recall the event with perfect clarity and exacting detail. Change its memory of the details or create a memory of some other event. Wow. You must speak to the target to describe how its memories are affected and it must be able to understand your language for the modified memories to take root. Its mind fills in any gaps in the details of your description. The spell ends before you've finished. The creature's memory isn't altered. A modified memory doesn't necessarily allow how, affect how a creature behaves, particularly if the memory contradicts the creature's natural inclinations, alignment, or belief. And a logical modified memory, such as implanting a memory of how much the creature enjoyed dousing itself in acid, is dismissed perhaps as a bad dream. A GM might deem a modified memory too nonsensical to affect the creature in a significant manner. Okay, uh, there you go. I bought you a bit of time. Uh, what do you want to do? I'm going to tell her 
basically wipe everything up to the her saying that Stanley's a bad person who tries very hard to be good mm-hmm. and replace it or up to her asking for the wait the are fist. you invalidating the conversation we just had I am really you're wiping it from existence in her mind I am really yeah okay cool <laughs> ter- ter- terrible terrible but also cool and i'm gonna um, replace it uh i'm gonna replace it with us saying we had to take something back to get my friends home we've left the fist hidden in a chest in the other room this is simply an empty case for us to return to hopefully trick them. Okay, so just and, so I get the particulars right. Right. So basically, in when she asked for the fist, the general gist is we told her that we took the fist out, we hid it in a chest in, you know, the poo chest, is the implication. Okay. <laughs> we didn't say the poo chest. And that we need to take something back to show that we attempted and uh so that's what this so you're gonna, so you don't they, you don't have the fist you have just the box yeah as like a, a show of contract fulfillment yes and that's what you that's the story that she now believes in her memory mm-hmm. okay now um she's not charmed for 24 hours in the sense that she doesn't do anything right like she, as soon as you've modified the memory it's over right uh let me see because it says a minute yeah still hear you charm okay duration is up to a minute while the charm lasts the 24 hours i got confused by but that's okay 24 hours is just how far back the memory goes so while she's uh kind of still coming out of the days i will just look at the two of them and kind of indicate gotta go all right and if it's one-on-one like that with no witnesses they don't know that you cast a spell it was silent on that issue and you Oh, is it? It's a there's a verbal spell, so I didn't know if he had to... verbal somatic. So it's hand gestures and saying. But yeah, I'm just thinking you would also while you're modifying the memory, why wouldn't you also modify the rest to be like I never cast a spell, right? Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah, it all happened a few minutes ago. Yeah, so... and that and that we had an embrace and a kiss as a goodbye. Yeah, yeah. it just seems broken. Otherwise, how would yeah? Would have... anyway. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. Cool. Um, at least this way we can explain it. All right, so with that done, she kind of looks um, around. She goes, Stanley, and her eyes begin to to well up. They become red, and she becomes filled with emotion. And she walks in your direction, and she reaches her hands out to give you a, a passionate kiss. Wait, no, you didn't make her forget, did you? Did that happen, or did you make her forget? I made her forget the speech part in okay, its place. So you still but, kissed, but, what but you... we, yeah, we kissed and said goodbye. Yeah, yeah okay, never mind. I have it wrong. I just was really looking forward to doing a Groundhog Day of that whole thing, but sure. that's not what you said, so sure. that's wrong. Um, okay, so she looks towards you, and I guess since nothing really dramatic happened anymore, like the argument or the the dissonance over the fist, she has it in her mind that she understands you have an understanding that works for her. And because there's still an emotional tension, which is there, she looks at you 
through sad eyes, and then she turns around and just walks away back towards the stairwell. No explanation as to where she's going, but you know that this modify memory spell was successful. Look at Pharrell and Nash. We need to get going immediately. You're not waiting for me. Now get up and start <laughs> heading to the door. All right. Start booking it <laughs> to the base of the tower and to leave. Okay, perfect. So you guys are all leaving. It's go time. You know, in a way, Stanley and Nash today both took a ride that could have gone real bad and then came back from it. And yeah. no one's the wiser. That is a weird parallel that we just had. Well, they would have heard it. You two would have heard Stanley's outburst. Oh, we heard that too. But then also you yeah. guys, probably a lot of people, you included, felt and heard the, the crashing spaceship. But we both kind of wiped these things out of our way. It's like we're just moving on now. There's just something about it. Yeah. I like it. All right. Um, <laughs> so what's the plan for exiting the tower? Just... Book it and head towards those airships. You know, casually. Yeah. Okay. We're walking <laughs> like proud, it. but casually. Right. Like hey, casually. Let me let me just go back to my notes here. This is see what I can do. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay. All right. So uh, you make your way uh, casually down the stairs. Can I get a um? A deception roll from a performance roll. You're performing that everything's fine. I need perform team performance. Team roll, performance rolls. That's a 18 from Stanley. A, st a 17 from uh, Nash. Four. <laughs> okay. So between you, two of you are successfully being calm and just walking like it's nobody's business what you're doing. And Varel is trying way too hard to be nonchalant. <laughs> He's exuding nonchalantness everywhere. <laughs> uh, but fortunately, it's still early enough in the morning. There isn't a lot of activity. You make it to the set of stairs and do not encounter a soul on the way down the stairs. However, as you get to the bottom of the stairs, you can hear there are guards speaking on the main floor. And likely before you make it to the entrance of the tower you're going to come across that group of guards that Nash, you, you know, are there that were right. Laughing at Walnut. Yeah. Right. So uh, any consideration or you just want to attempt to walk past them? I mean, there with... is Walnut still there or how much time has passed since, since the embarrassing. Uh, it's been, you know, 15, 20 minutes. It hasn't been too, too long. It's felt like an eternity because that conversation was awkward, but um, it hasn't been that long. And is still Walnut down there still? Um, well, Walnut, when you last left him, was catatonic, right? Yeah. And then... Well, when I left him, he, he was up on his it. knees and doing his worshipy thing, so... Yeah, he was worshipping your illusion. Right. So you don't know what the situation is. Well, the reason I'm asking until is... Until you look. Until you physically look. Right now, you can just hear it, and I'm letting you know in advance that you'll be walking past people with the box. Well, you, you, can't, okay. you can't visually know how many are there without, you know, I'm leaving it to you, the players, to figure out how to get All right, I'm going to look at my two companions and say, all right, look, last I was down here. The guards were there. Walnut was there. There's maybe eight. Okay, eight, eight, eight of those plus Walnut if, there's, if he's there, so it's nine. 
So I'll say, um, uh, my here's what we probably should do. We're going to need a distraction. And if Walnut's there, that's an easy distraction because I just played a big trick on him and he's going to be either mad or confused and I can, you know, kind of pull him to the side and talk to him. And, and they were all laughing at this, so they'll probably be interested in listening to this. Maybe then... Maybe not Varel so much, but Stanley could sneak it past without a terrible roll <laughs> for stealth or something. But maybe we just need to distract them to get it out of here. You guys have teleportation spells too, by the way, I think. They serve here. We do. We have scrolls, yeah. We do have scrolls. I say we don't risk it. Why don't we just Teleport the box out of here. Nash, they already like you enough, it sounds like. Why don't you just walk by? Okay. Morel and I can take the box and go out. Okay. You have you have sufficient scrolls. I have two if you don't have enough. I know the spell. Oh, all right. Never mind then. You ready, Varel? Um, yeah, Stanley. And then I touch him in Dimension Door immediately before telling him any more what's details. The, what's, the, <laughs> what's the range on Dimension Door? Uh, 500 feet. Okay. Does it have to be a point you can see or it's a point you can imagine? No, wow. it's a point I know. So we've been outside the front door before. Okay. So I would, as far so out. So you could just teleport out the wall uh, off to the side, not even so that they can't see you in the front entrance. Yeah. All right, perfect. So you tell, so you and Varel teleport whoosh, out of the tower poof, to the side, and immediately there's a big moon in the sky. There's charred lands rolling, and you see um, there's a knight, a uh, paladin, with his pants pulled down around his ankles, squatting, reading what appears to be some sort of tome, and taking a shit in the bush, as far as you can tell. Ah, my um, God, uh, man. <laughs> Aren't there lavatories inside the tower? They're quite busy um, with the the bleeding ones, <laughs> the injured so, so soldiers. And lots you, of noise. I, it's you think it looks good on Euphemius to be shitting in front of his holy <laughs> tower? <laughs> He's speechless. His mouth opens and closes, but yet words fail to form. Where's the night commander? Yeah. I, I think this is highly unnatural. No, no, no! Please, no! You don't have to tell. Don't tell the. And he, he lets out a little squirt, and then some shit hits the ground, and then he pulls up his pants quickly. He goes, "No, no! You don't." He, he, he touches you on your chest with his hand that he just used to pull up his pants. Oh. And he's got a. He's got the book in it, and he taps you. And he goes, "No, no! There's no need to tell him anything." It was an innocent mistake, a bit of temptation. I shall repent uh, for, for shitting out here. Head on in. We'll forget this ever happened. Okay. <laughs> roll, roll. Make a roll, please. Uh, <laughs> Am I adding yeah. anything? No, no. Uh, sorry, I don't know why. It's a natural so. 20, so 20 plus oh, whatever yeah. I add. We'll just let it. It'll be fine. He runs okay. off. <laughs> he's like buckling his pant, like he's buckling his belt up as he runs off to the front. But you do realize that there are other knights out front. 
and that he may say something. Maybe he won't. This is a gamble you take. Yeah, Pharrell, let's uh, let's get going. All right, uh, Nash, you were alone in the tower, and you hear uh, a guy come by and say, "Um, I just have to go back inside uh, real quick." You hear another voice go. Aren't you on watch on the west side of the tower? You're not due back for another hour. Yes, but um, I have some unfinished business upstairs. Up, Knight, get back to your post, and you can go up there when your shift is done. That's what you hear, Nash. Okay. So you're still in the tower. John, Stanley and Varel have teleported out. And you're still in the tower. All right, I'm going to go just trucking down through the entrance that I came in on. I'm going to do that now. Right. And you start trucking through, and they all, all the knights there, you recognize them, they come back, they kind of nod to you, and like nothing's up as they walk by, and you hear, Nash! Ah, Walnut! And a pitter-patter of footsteps comes running towards you from behind. You don't know where he was located, but he's like, Nash, I have a question for you. Sure, with the buddy system. What do you got there, bud? I, I thought there there was um just like a minute ago. Well, not a minute ago, but like a good 20 minutes ago, just before, just as you were going upstairs, the avatar of Euphemius appeared before me. Oh, weird. Uh, Did you, but, how'd that go? But for some reason, my brothers and sisters were laughing and not falling to their knees and praying with me. And I'm not uh, clear on. Well, maybe you saw I mean, something. I or maybe you saw something. Maybe, uh, maybe the free the the crazy free fall we did from that from that ship uh, made you see things, or maybe they made you see things like those maybe little creatures. Maybe I had a vision that others did not have. It could be, yeah. But why would they laugh then? I guess because I look silly. But yeah, there you go. See, you've come to your own conclusion. Nice job. Oh, jeez. Well done. Well, this ends our buddy. Uh, this is the end of the of the buddy system for me today. I just what? I'm just for now. I'm gonna I'm gonna take it off out the front for a little bit, and uh, you just chill here. I'm just well, letting you let know. Me, um, let me go with you. No, no, no. I know a lot of information about here now that it's safe. Well, I can give you some guidance. Here's the problem: the ship may be there again. If it is, we're gonna get in it again. You might fall out again. We might die again. Do you really want to go oh, through all that? I don't want to do that again. I'm not going back oh, in any okay. ships like that. Good, good. Then stay Staying here. Staying on the ground with my two feet yeah. on the ground. So stay. They need you here. So stay here. There's lots of injured. A lot yeah. of people, uh, you know, getting getting cleaned up. You're coming up. back, right? Sure. Why not? Nash. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Just remind me when you come back. I have something important to tell you. Oh, well, I can't. Can you tell me now, real fast, before I go? He looks around. And he goes, "It's not a good place for stuff like this. It's not important. I'll tell you when you come back." All right, sounds good, bud. Uh, buddy mode off for now. We'll see you later, and I'll buddy mode off. Yep, and I'll <laughs> we'll fist bump or something, and then I'll head out. May Euphemius be walk with you. Sure. And may uh, your may your dream dreams come true, and then I'll walk the other way. <laughs> All right, so you walk out, finally uh, pulling yourself away from Walnut, and you look over the vast landscape and see rolling uh, charred hills. Okay, so blackened hellscape from the far from the fight. 
Yeah, from the presence of the demonic and devil army that's been here. Okay. They've killed all life. Yeah. But as you stare out over the horizon and look down at your toe, you see a little little tuft of grass pushing through the crackly earth. Um, but you don't you don't know where Varel and, and, and Stanley are right now. It's just a little blade of grass. So you're outside, you're there's a tower. There's the pal. Uh, the knights are standing at the doorway of the tower. There are three airships that have landed in the vicinity, and mm-hmm. you see crewmen working, and you hear the like hammering sounds and sounds of industry coming from the ships. Okay. There's little little tiny blades of grass growing at your feet through the charred earth, and there's a moon in the sky with a city that you can see. No Varel or Stanley though. And I have no. What did we say? What was our plan as to where we were going to meet? Well, you don't know what direction he teleported in, so you have no idea where he is. All right. Well, first of all, I'm going to bend over and pluck a blade of grass from this that you've described from the earth, from the from mm-hmm. the from the ground, and I'm yeah. just going to gently insert it behind my ear. Just okay. Done. All right. And now I'm just going to look around and see if I can see some sign of Stanley or Varel. All right. Perception check, please. All right. Um, now, are you going to help make yourself findable to, to Nash, uh, Stanley? I mean, I don't imagine we'd be too hard to find. We're heading I guess what the... I'm asking was, did you take any stealth actions as you walk away from the tower? Or are you just walking out normally? No, I think once we got closer to the airships, it, we'd probably just feel like, all right, well, you know, unless somebody was specifically looking for us we'd just sort of blend in with the crews down around the base okay uh perception roll please ooh a 21 nat 20 plus one you survey the landscape and just on the other side of a ridge you see basically what's the top few inches of what you believe to be stanley and varel's head out to the west wait just their heads Oh, oh, oh. The very top of their like head. The top of their some sort of a hill or something, some ridge. Jeez. It's like, the top of their head. It's like the end of season four of Dexter. I, just, I wasn't ready for just their heads. So, okay. So they're alive. Yeah. It's not just their heads. All right. Mm-hmm. I'm good. Uh, yeah, nothing weird. Then I'll head that direction and I'll do it with, with some haste, with some speed. All right. You climb up to the top of the ridge and you see Varel and Stanley walking with the box. Okay. I'll I'll catch up to them. And say that we're we're good. I left uh, I left Walnut back there. He thinks that I'm coming back. All right, we need to find out who's in charge of all of this and get up in the air before they figure out what we've done. And I'll flag somebody down to ask this question. Okay. So as you approach the airships, you notice that uh, there are a lot of orcs in the ships. In fact. There's nothing but orcs in the ships. So, do you still want to flag one down? Yeah. Alright, so um, nearest to you is a smaller ship, and there appears to be, uh, he's wearing a dungarees and a, <laughs> and a like pirate top, like a poofy shirt, <laughs> with rolled up sleeves, and he's got uh, what looks to be like a do-rag on his head, and he's just hauling rope. He's just wrapping rope around his arm like this. Excuse me. 
I'm hearing voices again. Uh, down here. Oh! Greetings. Uh, hello, friend. My name is Stanley Billings. I believe you're expecting us. Who is the captain here? We need to be departing as soon as possible. Um... No captain. Spatulo. Ah, well, Spatulo didn't make it through the battle, so who's next in command? Hmm. Hmm. Thor turns around, he looks, and he goes, See that one! And you see there's this massive sort of orc that's on the ground that's yelling out orders at other orcs to lift up rope and paddles and and to, like, hammer wood together to make sure the integrity of the hull is up to, sh- up to shape. And he's he's got these this helmet with these large horns. He's wearing, like, a He-Man strap. He's got nothing but, like, a pair of furry underwear. <laughs> he's basically wearing He-Man's outfit. <laughs> and he's large. He's massive. He's, like, ten feet tall. He, this is a massive roid monster. All right. We approach him. We have small teeth here. Are you the ones that we've been communicating with? That's us. Uh, We need to get out of here as soon as possible, or that tower is about to send troops to attack us. Are we ready to depart? Yes, we've been waiting for you for some time. Well, my apologies. Where is Spatulo and and Slobishar? They didn't make it. Hmm. Well, it's still good of you to come. Tobacco is waiting to hear the results of your mission. A deal's a deal. Let's get it loaded up and head out. All right, boys. We're taking off early. Our guests are eager to get back and meet their destiny. All right, saddle up. Everyone get in. And then the orcs begin, like, start making preparations to take off. He turns to you, Stanley. He says, go on and get in the big ship. The guest quarters are on the floor below. Uh, There's a chef uh, in the mess hall. You need any food? 24 hours a day, you ask, you get. Thank you. That's very kind. Good. Now get on in the ship. We'll be leaving in about 10 minutes. Okay. (laughs) We head for the ship. All right, he points to a ladder that's hanging off the side of one of the airships. Use the ladder to climb into the airship. <laughs> Sounds like a video game tutorial. It does. <laughs> Pull the lift Press trigger X to fire. To climb. Yeah. <laughs> Press select uh, to okay, see your map. Yeah, I climb the ladder to get into the airship. All right, so the three of you climb the ladder. Varel, you can climb with one hand and while supporting the box floating in your hand as you go up if you want all right so the three of you climb up the box climb up the boat and make your way into the airship with the box following the apparent captain maybe not captain just a leader orcs orders uh, you make your way into the second floor of the hull of the ship where there are guest quarters here and everywhere you look there's like a a lightly clothed orc 
Um, you know, they're all very hot from whatever work they're doing, so not don't seem to be wearing a lot of clothes. But you definitely recognize some of their symbolism on some of their clothing as the same from the the group uh, that you found in Daddy Longlegs. So, if anything, you found a large war band of orcs that are all from a similar tribe manning these airships. After waiting patiently for a small amount of time, you feel the lurch of the airship as it begins pulling itself from the ground, and you hear the orders going, Ah! Full mast! And pull that rope back there! And all these yellings that are happening from the orc captain above. Um, your imaginations drift off as you feel the boat lift into the air, wondering what your lost friend might be doing in this very moment. Kristen, are you ready? Are you ready? <laughs> we got a loud little chunky voice, almost. All right. Well, uh, as that continues, you feel the lurching of the ship. And there's small little windows on your room. So you see as the airship floats up into the sky, you see the moon now in the starry space sky of Outland. And it's very large. And you do notice that it does appear to be much closer to the ground than it previously was. You get the feeling that if this moon continues uh, to exist here, that it'll eventually crash into the ground. It's hard to say exactly how fast it's traveling, where it is relative to it, because the distances are so vast that when you look at them over through sky, it's difficult to measure. But you have a sense that you've, you're leaving a problem for someone else to solve. And John nods very yeah, happily about hmm, Certainly seems that way. Someone else will have to solve that one. All right. And so now uh, we zoom in so tightly that we see all the atoms in the universe. And then through the atoms of the universe, we see a lake of fire and the Kaiser Hotel. Or casino, rather, and hotel. On a cliff overhang above the lake of fire. And we proceed further and further and we zoom into a window and in that window we in, we're in this bar has a stage on it it's full of patrons of all different races and species of the cosmos but the only interesting table in this bar is one where hope is sitting with several empty cocktail glasses in front of her across from brett who's in a white dining jacket, has a bow tie on, black slacks, got a little pencil mustache and slick back hair. Hope, you're killing me! <laughs> Let's get another over here. This is great. So, you were just about to tell me, you are just about to tell me about the time that you found out you were a queen. Oh, yeah, it, uh... Thank God the the bomb it, the grenade launch it didn't blow off my other horn because apparently horns are like fingerprints or something so like you know family loved it mine was dead but they were all alive or something it was great oh that you know I, I'm gonna tell that story to people if that's okay you don't yeah mind sharing your story with you. it's a great story like. It. 
even with all the kings and queens, you know, that I might talk to in a day, very few people actually ever wake up and find themselves one. So that makes you very special. Isn't that right, Tercel? And then he looks to, there's a, a, a woman, human female in a cocktail dress that's on his arm. And he, she goes, <laughs> yes, of course, Brett. So, oh. so you so you know about the hooded figure, and you, the arm's been around for like ten thousands of years. We go way back, me and him. We, so who we, is it? That's not really how this works. You can't just go asking who it is. But I know who you are. Yeah, well, who I am is my business, and I can go around and you know talk about myself but if i know your little friend there he'll want to reveal all his things in good time and i don't want to be on his bad side so you know i'm not going to go and do things like that i know that's not an answer you're wanting to hear but remember this is about us just getting to know each other so we can take the pressure off of just having to to, to you know you are really scared of this guy aren't you not scared of this guy He's. We're not scared of this guy. Oh no no, no. Mm -mm. Look, let's talk about something else. All right, let's, we're gonna get to that. I, I. Here's the thing. I, I I wanted to use this time to get to know you a little better, and and um, so anything else that you can think of telling me, just about you know what your dreams and aspirations are. You know, I'd love to hear it. You know. Uh, uh, well, I always wanted to be a god. It, you know, kind of came to me one night. Uh, god of revenge, I think, would probably be best. Then I could save my people again. You know, the, the, the Wheelords and all that. And then, and then uh, my friends, I could help them. Okay, I got one for you. I have a question. Who's the person you killed that deserve, not deserved at the least, but like was the least worth killing them. You know what I mean? Wait, that I killed or someone nearby no, killed? No, that you killed. That you killed. Like, like that was for nothing. Like the most for nothing. You know, so, like, so, like sometimes if someone wronged you and you need to get vengeance on them, you know, that's a, that's a righteous kill, right? So what's the most unrighteous kill you've ever done? Just because someone stepped on your toe and then you blasted them in the... In, no. in the in so, the so... Yeah, so listen, so uh, after my family was massacred, you know, I, I was by myself alone in the desert, and I was in a bad place. There was a camp of people, and I killed them all. Well, what'd they do to you? That I was just mad. You know how I, you know, I know I was human and all that. You yeah, get a little yeah, more angry yeah. than others. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, sometimes temper just gets the better of you. There was one time that I, I was in talks with this village, right? This, this, this village that lived, if you can imagine it, um, on clouds in the sky. And they were having a real problem with erosion. So when you live on sky rocks that float and have kingdoms on them, that's all well and good until the rocks start eroding and getting smaller. And then all of a sudden, what's your castle? What's your castle going to float on if the rocks eroded, right? So I was in some talks with these guys. And I was already in a bad mood. And I guess one of their kids left some of this toy called Lego 
out on the castle floor and I stepped on one. And you wouldn't believe how much this Lego stuff hurts. Or, Anyways, I destroyed their whole kingdom. I, rather than hear them mewling again about how it was hard to live in a kingdom on space rocks, I just summoned comets down and blew up the whole place, you know? They're and, ungrateful. And, but I, I have a little regret. They didn't deserve that. It was clearly me at a bad day, you know? Well, we always try to be a bit better every day. That's true. We always got to work on things, and that's what I'm about. Just so you know what I'm about. Um, I have a lot of resources at my disposal to help a lot of people. And that's what I like to think of my job is hope, is that I help beings, not just people, but beings of all races and beings of all makes of creation. Um, that's what I do. So as evil as we can get, Somewhere deep down, we're here to set the world right. Because people that are good take too long. They try to consider too many things. They're really ineffective. They lie. Actually. And they, they lie too. Well, they're the hypocrites. See, everybody lies. But, you know, the goody two-shoes, when they lie, they don't admit that they're lying. They said it was a fist. They didn't say there was a hand in there that would talk to you. I gotta ask, um, and I might have asked this already, and, you know, we've been drinking a bit, so forgive me if I've asked this question already. But why did you cut off your hand? It's not like you were searching for this thing for centuries and finally found it, and you learned what it was, and within the span of five minutes, your hand was off. It, it, that, I respect it, don't get me wrong. I just... It, for most of the mortals I know are pretty big wusses and they don't lop off their hands really easily. You know, just don't meet a lot of mortals who do that so quickly. Yeah. I'm no, impressed. I, I lost it before, so it, it wasn't, you know, that big of a deal. And it's then, you know, it's it wouldn't go in the tower. It it wouldn't, and the paladins were worthless. They, It's like they never fought a day in their life, so they got wiped. And the mm. demons wanted it, mm. but I didn't want the demons to have it, and I didn't want my friends to have it. So I figured I was the best option. Well, that's a great story. Just just a minute, and then um, what? There's this large uh, loxodon that only is wearing jogging pants that sort of walks his way into this bar, and he looks really out of place because he's only got jogging pants on. Meanwhile, everyone's dressed to the nines. And he, he quietly tiptoes over to the bar, trying not to be disturbing. And, and, and Brent looks over look at the table. And Brent looks over and he goes, all right, come on over here. Don't, don't be like that. All right, just, just give me a second here. And the, 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 the elephant man leans down and begins whispering in Brent's ear. Brent goes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He didn't. Hope. As Mario is. Brett. I have something that you could help me with. How's your head doing? You haven't been drinking that much. You still got clear enough judgment, right? I can stand. I, I think that's good enough for me. Is that good enough for you? And the elephant man just goes, mm-hmm. All right. Um, I have a little problem with one of my clients. I'm wondering that you can just 
join me, come help me out with it. I want to get your opinion on it. You think you can help me out with that? I think it's the least I could do, considering this grand invitation. Bring a drink. Bring a drink. Yeah. All right. And uh, Brett gets up, and he smoothly just sort of walks towards the entrance of this bar, uh, dancing around people who might get in his way. He just sort of twirls and and continues walking. And then you end up in a hallway outside of this bar. There's a little sign there. He goes, "Um, it's this way. And he begins walking down a series of halls to an elevator bay. And then he pushes the down button on the elevator. And after a few moments, there's a bing! And these elevator doors open. And he steps in and he holds the door for you to step in. Come wobble in. in. Alright, and as you wobble in, you see that their elevator has a large column of buttons. They're maybe about 200. And he floats his finger and clicks one. The door's closed. The one he clicks says uh, 742. And some silence occurs as the elevator begins descending. I think think you're really going to be able to help me with this. Sorry for the interruption of our good evening, but it can't be. And after a few moments of silence, the elevator stops, and it goes... And there's this long hallway with passages moving left and right, but it's a hotel decor, so it just looks like wallpaper and doors and plants and dim lighting and really bad carpet. And he begins walking down the hallway, and he turns right, and then he turns left, and you guys are walking for five more minutes, and finally he stops at a door, and he goes, Aha, this one here. He reaches into his pocket, and he's got this, like, giant key ring, and he flips through the key ring, he finds a key, he puts the key in, opens it, the door swings open, and you see this massive orgy of different mortals in there. There's about 100 people. And he goes, whoop, 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 and he closes the door. He takes the key out, and then he... If you want to join in that later, just let me know. Um, they'll be going for five more hours at least, I think. Um, flips open, finds another key, and he, he puts the key back in, he opens it up, and the door opens. And the room appears to be a kitchen walk-in cooler. There are there's racked meat, like sides of uh, pork, like ha- cut in half, so you can see all the insides, but they're frozen. And slabs of meat everywhere, stainless steel tables, saw, you know, like a table saw for cutting meat. And he goes, as you can see his breath. And he goes, ooh, this is the one. And then he walks in. He's like, come on, Hope. And he's okay. pushing aside. He begins. The door closes behind you as he moves through. It begins pushing aside meat. And you hear this sort of soft. You hear this thud of like something soft against something soft, just like. And then as you get closer, you're. A... <coughs> and it's clearly the sound of someone getting punched. And finally, Brett moves aside the last row of hanging meat slabs, and you see tied to a chair, is a goblin. And that there are these two massive, you're not even sure what race of being they are, just these massive muscle beings that are like green, purple colored, and they're wearing turtlenecks 
and have um, and they have really big torsos and very small amount of leg span, and they're wearing these um, slacks with a belt, and they have turtlenecks on, and their sleeves are rolled up to show show their muscles. On the turtlenecks. And Brent looks around, and he's like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! Take it easy now. Take it easy." He kneels before the goblin, and the goblin's got a gag in his mouth, and he releases the gag, and he goes. Pumpo, this isn't a good look for you. Pumpo goes, no, not good luck. Make face owie, big man's do. Well, I'm sorry about that, but um, seems you owe us something and we didn't, we didn't receive it. So I, I'm sorry about all the punching. I didn't mean for there to be any looks to you up. I didn't mean for there to be any physical violence here. Um, but, you know, we didn't receive our, our uh, what we're supposed to, to get. And Pumpo, the goblin, looks. He goes, sorry, no deliver. And Brent gets up and he goes, no deliver? <laughs> This guy, no deliver. <laughs> what does that mean? No deliver. Mean no deliver. Can't deliver. No deliver. Well, that's gonna be a problem, Pumpo. Now, hope uh, just for your benefit to give you some context before you go jumping, because I want you to have all the information. Because I'm interested to hear how you would handle this, but um. Pumpo here, he's a he's a goblin, and goblins are everywhere throughout creation. Uh, there's always a goblin in need somewhere. Um, and anyways, this goblin, uh, you know, he 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 found a way to reach out to me, contact me, seek out aid from 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 hell, basically. And uh, they have this problem on his world, which is a uh, Dorgorth Seven. On his world, well, there's not a lot of food. And the environment's very hostile. It's very difficult to grow food. So uh, Pumpo here asked me, he said, Hey, Brett, is there anything you can do? And we said, yeah, we can get you food. Every year, once uh, every year, we drop off a, a, a large supply of, of dried meat, stuff you can even see here now, to feed the goblins of his village. But, you know, nothing's free. We entered into a deal. So when we drop off that food, he's got to do one little thing. Isn't that right, Pumpo? Yes, Pumpo! He's got to give to me the strongest goblin in his village for me to do with what he wants. Pretty simple exchange. We give him a year's supply of food for his whole village. A population of thousands for one year. And all he has to do is give me his strongest warrior. But we didn't get us we didn't get payment this year, Pumpo. And I'm a little bit concerned. Now listen, Hope, you know, if someone doesn't live up to their end of the bargain, I've got to got to do what I've got to do, but I'm, I'm wondering here, 
there's something I'm missing, perhaps, to resolve this issue before. You know, it's more profitable if we can stay in business than if I have to just end the whole thing. What do you think? Well, if you want to be cruel, I mean, you could always send him back for a year without food. Let him watch his family starve and die. And then the next year you ask if he'd do it again. No, no, starve, die! Pumpo, no! Pumpo have family! Pumpo, Pumpo cannot ha let happen. Brett looks to you and says, and then looks to Pumpo and he says, Looks like my friend here thinks that uh, we shouldn't give you any sympathy. Should let you go back and reap what you sow and we'll take back our food. Let you think about it for a year. No! No salvo problemo of Pumpo! <laughs> <laughs> So let me get this right, Papa. Are you saying we send you back, you watch everyone die, and you still, we're still going to have this problem same time next year? Yes! Hope. What do you think of that? What do you make of that? What do you make of this? And clearly I'm missing something here. Well, he mentioned his family. You could take them instead. Eh, that wasn't our deal. I want the strong ones. Mm. I have no use for weak goblins. Well... Um, Pumpo. How do you figure out who's the strongest? Well, um, we have competition before pay time, before food time, before happy food time landing. We have competition strong and winner is given. Oh, so who, so who won this time, Pumpo? None of business, he says. As uh, Brett looks to you, Hope, and says, see what I got to work with? I mean, I mean it's a good you thing. Go and take one, a strong one, yourself. It's part of the deal, after all. You talking to Pumpo or to Brett? Brett. Mm, I see what you're thinking. But if I've got to do something and my underlings see that I'm doing something on my own, they might start talking back to me and not doing what they need to do. No, that's not a good policy. I, I'm, the, I'm the thinker here. Other people are my doers. Well, I mean, if he won't break, just kill him. Find a new one to strike a deal with. Oh, but if I kill him, I have no more access to their souls. You sure but that's what I should do? He's a dead end anyway, if he won't give in. 
I mean, why would you waste your time with someone who's clearly had a change of conscience when there's probably 15 other goblins willing to sell out their friends? I'm glad you brought this up. I'm glad It's a good question, Hope. And, and I'm glad we're having this conversation now so that you can know what kind of person I am. Which is, I don't always, whenever I feel like I want to murder somebody, I don't always do that. Because most of the time, there's a non-murder way to get to an amicable solution that everyone profits from. And I see the look on your face. Not your thing. But you have to understand, it's my thing. And we're getting to know each other. So, without resorting to absolute violence, how, what can I do here to get my warrior? You could just torture him for a bit. We could do that. And he looks over to the guy, rip his arm off. And then the big beast go, walks up to, that, um, to the goblin, Pumpo takes push holds his face down with one the other big being with the turtleneck holds his little guy's arms down and he takes his arm and rips it off and pumpo goes ah, 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 blood begins spurting everywhere ah, and then brent snaps his finger and the hand reattaches I bet that didn't feel good. And he says it, he looks at you, but he's sort of saying it with his face at Pumpo. I bet that felt awful. I bet you wouldn't want, you wouldn't want to feel that again, would he? I don't know. Let's see. Okay. Pumpo talk. Pumpo talk. Pumpo, no make pay this year because. Pumpo is strongest goblin. Oh. Was that so hard? Pumpo no want to die. Pumpo no want to die. You take Pumpo. Pumpo try be good, but not that good. No die for village. Oh. Hmm. Well, what do you think, Hope? Looks like I gotta kill him. The deal's a deal. I mean, is there anyone he would trade in his place? That's a good thought. And then he sits down and kneels by Pumpo and he says, Poor, poor Pumpo. I'm sorry to cause you such terror. I wish you had told us sooner. You see, we made that rule to make it easy for you to justify your little story in the village and and give you a way to conveniently build a narrative so that people wouldn't ask too many questions. The big warrior who wins the competition goes to the big city. Never to be heard from again because presumably they've moved up in life. So what happened? People find out. Strongman's disappears. People know compete. Only three competitors. Pump a win. Well, we can't have that. 
But let me tell you this, Pumpo. I'm not the kind of guy to turn my back on a business associate. And then he f snaps his fingers again. And Pumpo, who's a goblin and looks misshapen and probably not that strong, his body begins to wither and grow weaker. Uh, what happened to Pumpo? What happened to Pumpo? And he becomes this shriveled, very weak, very flaccid gum. What happened to Pumpo? We solved your problem. Hope, you think that's a good solution? You know, it works, right? Yeah, now you're weak. And now you can hold the competition and go send us your strongest. So whoever's in second place, go send it there. Send them to us. We'll take. We'll accept that for this year. But you need to get to work on next year, Pumpo. Pumpo, do Pumpo will make better next year. Thank you, Brett. Okay. All right, Hope. I think we've solved what we need to solve here. Anything else? Uh, no. That let's was get back to the hard. bar. Yeah. Why are we wasting time around here? Pumpo, take care. <laughs> and you guys both leave and head back to the elevator and make your way back to the bar. Um, and when you get into the bar, you notice that it's even noisier in there. There's a lot of loud music. And Brett stops and he says, yes, it's getting a bit late and the, it's going to turn into a dance place soon. Maybe you and I could take it somewhere a little more private, intimate, that we can talk. I've got some things to show you. As long as I still get some more drinks. Of course, of course. Uh, follow me down this way. And he walks down another hall. And he takes out a set of keys, opens a door, opens it up. And then there's this lounge. And there's uh, you see, it's just sort of off to the right, there's someone playing piano. There's a, a maitre d' standing by a podium and there's a window overlooking the lake of fire this large large you know 20 foot tall window sort of thing almost biodomy and there's you know places where people can be seated next excuse me to the window to overlook you know it's kind of got this romantic restaurant and a casino vibe very touristy uh you guys walk towards the tables and he pulls out a chair and he says after you hope we'll sit down all right. And then he sits down on the opposite side of you and he says, all right, look. I know that uh, friend of yours, uh, he's probably told you not to accept any packs with me, make any deals. You got it. Yeah. So we're not going to try. We're not going to do that. I know you're smart enough not to enter into any deals with me, uh, especially him. But as a gesture of hell's goodwill, we wanted to give you some gifts. Can't say no to some gifts, right? And then as if he had always been there, the hooded man standing behind Brent accept the gifts he gives you. Says very creepily. Cool. Hope we'll accept the gifts. <laughs> uh, he snaps his fingers. And two waiters walk out. They're dressed to the nines, modern looking. They have these trays. And they step forward. And they put the trays on the table. As uh, 
sorry, Brett shoes them away. And he goes, hmm. We have a box here on the right. And we have a box here on the left. And I personally pick these out for you. And please open them. Hope we'll start with the box on the left. Okay. So the box on the left is rectangular in shape. And you can flip it open. It has like hinges, has a little clasp. Looks like a necklace or bracelet box of some kind. Cool. She'll open it. All right. You open the box, and in it is a necklace. It's made of gold. It has a gem. It's less of a necklace and almost more of a choke. Uh, it's made of gold. And it has a gem where it clasps together. It's blue, crystal clear blue smoky gem. Well, it can't be smoky and clear. It's a clear blue and white gem, I mean. What's this? This is a very special piece. Go ahead and try it on. Jewelry's a girl's best friend, right? Uh, hope we'll try it on. Okay, so um, you bring it over your neck, you close the clasp. Almost magically, it, it clasps itself. And um, you feel that you have newfound power immediately at your control. But you're not quite sure what it is. And Brett leans back and smiles at you and goes, mm-hmm, much better. What do you mean? I mean, if you didn't, say, have that hand attached, I mean, I know I definitely, I think I'd probably invite you out for a ride on my, my airship, go all the way around the Lake of Fire. Much better. Hope we'll look down at our hands. Uh, you look down at your hands and you notice you can't see where your hand was. You don't see any scarring. You can't see where your hand is normal again. You look like you have two normal hands. And you also don't look malformed or malshapen. They look like your old hands. Nice. Well, thank you. I was he, he very snaps, unhappy. He snaps over to one of the waiters. Come over here. And then uh, the waiter comes over and he says, <clears throat> show her. And then the, the waiter takes his hand and, and a mirror appears in his hands for you to be able to see yourself. And you see the choker around your neck and you see that you look even better than you used to do. Whatever, I'm not going to be specific about how that describes, but you look like you, but the best version of you you've ever seen. Youthful, no scarring, things like that. That awesome. necklace there is, there are people out there that are going to take one look at you and judge a book by its cover, right? They're going to see your demon teeth and all the disfigurings. They're going to judge you, man. People are judgmental. So when you put this necklace on, you can make yourself appear however you want. That's why they call it the necklace of infinite appearances. I can't. Can I change my appearance while I'm wearing the necklace? Mm -hmm. You don't want to do it in front of people. They'll know. But yes, 
it's possible to change your appearance. Hope we'll give it a try, and she'll think of a bird. She wants to see just how far this illusion can go, like a crow. Okay. Um, and looking in the mirror, you see that your body morphs immediately into a kenku. Cool. And then she'll reimagine her original appearance. Not the monster one. And you're back. Yeah, you're back to your original appearance. We'll have an item for you in your inventory later. So just note it for now. Roger. Uh, what about the second box? Uh, you know what? This is pretty awesome. Let's do it. And she'll open the box on the right. All right. Now, just a second. All right. So you open the box. And as you open this box, it's almost like there's a vacuum inside of it. You click it open, but it wants to be held shut. So you just kind of like force it open. And then inside this ring that has all these ornate glyphs in it and then a large sort of circle. And then what looks like a sundial, but it's not a sundial, some sort of jutting thing off the disc. There's like a disc piece and then a piece jutting out. Um, it floats in the box as you open it. I hope we'll take it out and put it on her right hand index finger. The other thing a girl needs besides jewelry is to get around. This ring here has uh, pre-programmed into it passageways to a lot of your favorite locales. You want to go back home to Tietkala? You can do it with this ring. Want to come back to the Kaiser International Casino and enjoy a night here? That's also programmed into your ring. The hooded voice appears from behind uh, you and says, It's not good enough. Tell him you want something better. Hopefully, we'll take off the ring and put it back in the box. You know, is something wrong? Surely there's something else. Something more powerful than this ring. You sort of... You didn't like it. Hope's pretty drunk, so she'll be like, yeah, he didn't like it. I liked it, though. He reaches into his pocket. I'll just have to get another one of these. Um, I hope you don't mind. And he hands you a rusty-looking copper ring that just looks dented and malshapen. Almost sinister. has jagged edges. He just holds it in his hand. He's like, that's the better ring. It don't look like much, but you can't really remold these things. That's just what it looks like. Okay. okay. I hope we'll take that ring. Behind him, you see the hooded figure, and you see you hear the voice go, yes. He likes this one. Okay. Take it. 
Yep, hope we'll take it and put it on. All right, you put it on, and you feel your hand sort of glow with power. Unfamiliar, but strong and intoxicating power. It feels like, if you could imagine it, if just your forearm was on drugs, but the rest of you is fine, it's just this forearm is just on drugs. It just feels like it moves through space strangely. Cool. Well, you can pretty much go anywhere. Oh, why am I doing that voice? <clears throat> now, with that ring, you can pretty much go anywhere, babe. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Where do you want to go? You want you want, you want want to try it out? Uh, I mean, I mean, I've not? got Wait, I got one more gift for you. I'm Listen, I'm afraid as soon as you try this ring out, you're not going to really want to talk to me too much more, so... Can I can I just give you this last thing that I have for you? Yeah. All right. Um, well, we can test out the ring now. I know they're in um, the employee lounge below. Uh, so um, you don't know what that looks like. Okay. So you have to be able to picture it. So here you go. And he, Brett snaps both of his fingers and makes this illusory image in the sky of this employee lounge and it looks sort of bare. There's employees like maitre d's, things like that, sipping coffee, eating a little, you know, on break from the casino. All right. Now use that ring and think about being there. That's the employee lounge at the Kaiser Casino. Yeah. Okay. And, and take my hand. Reaches out his hand. It's sweaty and hot. Really sweaty. She'll take his hand and kind of give him a a what? <laughs> kind of a look with the sweaty hand and then think of the employee lounge that she sees. Okay, and you think of the employee lounge and as you do, you dematerialize out of existence and appear in the lounge. And everyone sort of stops eating, seeing the big boss in the employee lounge and they kind of look, everyone's frozen with fear. Okay. And Brett looks around and says, Oh, hello, everyone. Just testing out some magic stuff. Nothing I see here. I'm not here for any other reason. Please feel free to enjoy your lunch, everyone. We're all good. Where we need to go, we're heading in that back room there. Freelancer room. Back to lunch, everyone. Didn't mean to disturb you. And then he begins walking his way across the tables to a door at the back. All right, hope we'll follow. Okay, and he, he opens up the door, and it opens up into a strange area. There's, it's it's it's, it's like this rocky face of wall all around, straight from the casino, like almost like you're you're in Rockland and not in the casino. Immediately walking through this door, and there's a few tables in this room too, wooden tables and a wooden bar. It seems like a dingier version of the employee lounge. And um, what's interesting, though, is that it's empty, but four people. There's a barkeep who has his back to things, seems to be cleaning a glass. And um, which of the other three players wants to describe their character? Who's up first? 
I think he who spoke first is up first. Okay, I'll go first. Uh, all right, so my character uh, is a eight-foot-tall minotaur with all black fur, uh, except for occasional just kind of like hot red highlights every now and then just like almost like just a tuft of hair here and there has like a fiery orange tint to it in certain places uh he's wearing a business suit a full fitted business suit on his form um he's got big wide horns that that jut out a bit uh and he has gold accents on his business suit um and he's got gold piercings a gold nose ring um, but it's not, it's not like gaudy gold, it's like brass, kind of. And, um, he's got gloves on, fancy leather-fitted gloves. He's just sitting there, leaning up against the bar, kind of just looking over his shoulder at you. And, uh, I think that's it, yeah. Minotaur in a suit. Alright, sitting near him. Sitting near him is a half-orc with a great bow on his back. He is strange because if you you look at him... Oh, I said half-orc. We're not not doing that now, are we? I'll tell you about that in a second. Yeah, never mind. Skip the half-orc part. He's, uh, yeah, forget about half-orc. Let's just say he's half-orc-like in his Mm -hmm. size and appearance, but he's not a half-orc. He is something else entirely. Maybe something nobody's heard of before. He is, his skin is all bright white, almost a patchy, chalky kind of white. And uh, to look at it, you'd almost think it was makeup. But if if you got up close enough, you'd, you'd notice that this was part of his flesh, that his flesh is just that color. And it's not the, it's not a, it's not a good pigment. It's not a, an attractive pigment. It's a, it looks gross and decayed and flaky and and, and bad um, around his lips he has what looks like from far away bright lipstick or something that's making his lips bright red but the closer you get you notice that this is also just part of his flesh his lips just are bright and they also are ragged and tend to bleed into the white of the skin in such a way that it looks like just and that's the way his mouth is naturally his nose is another shade of white or of red um and again closer inspection would reveal that it's not a separate thing it's not attached to his face it's a part of him and it's red in a horrible way if you get up close to it it's pocked and oozy and gross and disgusting and he has only a little hair, but what hair he has is curly and wild, and uh, some strands of it are pink. Some are a little closer to the same red that his lips and nose are, um, but he's not fully covered in hair. It's just enough to know that there was maybe more hair there once, and he is dressed in tight black leather. Um, his entire body is just leather, and it's strapped down together. Think of Pinhead or somebody like that just strapped and bolted to him. Um, And the only thing that really uh, jumps out to to you if you were to see him in a room is this face because it's just so white and it's so red and it's such a horrible combination of those things. 
Um, to give you the name of his race, I have to go grab it because I forgot what we no, said. No, you, you don't have to do that yet. Okay, it's I'm not going to do it yet. I'll tell you later where he comes from. Do we say their names yet? I guess we do. No? No, it's, it's a physical description. All right, so that's it. Physical, I'm all done. Oh, by the way, he's very, he's muscular. He's tall, uh, big shoulders. Looks like a formidable problem in a fight. Also, it's just sketchy as hell. So there you go. That's it. All right. And finally, the third. Are you muted, Kyle? Still muted. Still muted. Let's see. All right, well, he sorts that out. What clothes are you wearing, Scott? Oh, sorry. Oh, I told you. All black leathers. So everything on him is just... Imagine, like, straps, like, pulled over his arms with, like, big rivets holding stuff together. Um, I'm trying to think of a good example of who looks like this, but I can't off the top of my head. But just... Not in like a S and M kind of way, but more like just he likes to be covered in thick, rigid black leather, and it's just covering him head to toe, including his boots. His boots are the same material. Nice. So he now looks. He might say he looks like a clown up here, but like a leather monster underneath, and he's just ready to tear you apart. You know what he looks like? He looks like uh, what's his name in Resident Evil Three? He looks like t- uh, Tyrant. Uh, the nemesis the nemesis guy in the beginning before he yeah. got all big and weird all that tight leather stuff and like it almost looked like in that thing it was like trash bags and other stuff but in this case it's like just thick hard leather well that's a great description I wonder if we get Kyle back nothing yet Kyle still no, not nothing nope. yet. that's weird come on out here Kyle I haven't heard him since <laughs> he, since he muted the first time here, I'll re-ring him. This is intense. Yeah, we wait. I know. We gotta find out what's up here. Slowest oh. zoom to a another character ever. All right. Well, Brett looks. Oh, I heard something. Nope, I didn't. It's still ringing. Who oh, no, Discord problems. Who oh, no. Who oh, no. Yeah. I don't know why it would still be muted, though. It's weird. It's not muted on my end. I just showed he unmuted it himself. Kyle, can you hear us? Oh, he can't unmute, he says. Weird. Oh, he's got. I've seen that bug before. What do you have to do normally? Like, restart your computer. Ugh! Let we'll me go audio get audio through Zoom. Maybe Gross. seems we're on the Zoom uh, yeah, call. Just yeah, you might check switch your, audio to Zoom. I mean, we could you do that just audio, even just for him, points. so we could hear him. Here, let me yeah, just for, just for him. Uh, hold on. Discord problems. Do it. Hold on. Don't go anywhere. We got this. Oh. Oh, that's wrong. Hold on. So unmute. Here I we go. I saw him unmuting in Zoom. So let's see. If this is gonna. It's gonna go. All right, Kyle, I've unmuted you in Zoom. Oh. I hear him in Zoom now. That's that was perfect. <laughs> well, we can definitely hear him. <laughs> Kyle, say a word, say something so I can hear your voice. 
No. Nope. Can't hear that. We heard Flynn and then nothing. Then nothing. Maybe it's the microphone. Maybe the microphone's no longer being recognized. Here, I'll unmute him again. Well, no, but he was able to. The baby was able to cry through it, right? But the mic worked. Something. Yeah, it worked for a second. That's really weird. Now I can't unmute him. All right. Well, why don't you swap? We're almost at the end of the show. It's going to be quicker to swap. Yeah, we can probably just swap them. Yeah. Kyle took his headphones off. Wife swap. (laughs) That's normal to say, isn't it? It's just a normal thing just for me to blur out. It's a normal thing to shout out. Did I do it? I think so. Wait, where are you talking on? Let's see. Uh, uh, Discord, I believe. Oh, yeah. You're on on some crazy hot, weird thing sounding Yeah, it sounds like the wrong mic. It sounds like a mic from another century. (laughs) This is Kyle on the street. Is it is a connection loose? Possibly. That's what it sounds like fader, almost like a cable fell out or fader on a mixing board. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> yep, he's gonna swap. I see him running. Oh, maybe not. Swap time. <laughs> Why swap? <laughs> Does it mean what you think it means? I know, I know, and it doesn't matter hey. how many times I say it. It's not gonna change what it means, is it? I could just keep doing it. <laughs> here i'm gonna get back in here so we're basically gonna do a cliffhanger on kyle's character description which is kind of fun in its own weird way no no a little bit we're doing it a little bit later oh oh i but see what you're saying all right not much longer so just let me know when you're ready to you're go. good to go we're recording you're good okay so that was the description of scott's character there's also another strange looking arachnid humanoid being wearing a doctor's coat and is sitting uh, by himself and muttering something strange to himself maybe not even paying that much attention to what's going on you see these three beings and Brett looks at you and says my final gift henchman I noticed that you didn't bring any of your friends with you and I think we covered why that was. You gave me your reasons. At the end of the day, they probably weren't cut out for this life and, and to walk down this path. So, but I figured you're still used to having, you know, what's a ruler without generals and henchmen? So these are three of the best that aren't otherwise, that I'm not otherwise using in other campaigns. Um, and we're just going to get this out of the way. They are being paid by me in a manner of speaking. So they will be my eyes and ears. Just want to get that unpleasantness out of the way before it comes up as a surprise later. Like, why did you tell Uncle Brad about all this information that was only for us? They work for me, but we're working together. So really, um, this one, uh, your, your name, this one is Sterious Business. <laughs> That's a minotaur here. This one here is Blood Skunk Hendrickson. And this strange little fellow that you see here is Dr. Spider. Now, um, you'll have time to get to know each other a little bit later, but uh, I imagine you right about now might want to use that ring. And then behind Brett, the hooded voice appears and begins speaking. 
ring you have there will take you anywhere in the cosmos. Let us return to your kingdom and see what I have to work with. Hope will drunkenly take a deep breath, kind of like nod a hello to the three henchmen, and disappear heading to Tietkala. This time the ring doesn't work quite how you'd expect it. It work, functions a little differently, and this is just the DM sorting out how what the different features will be here. I don't have the item for it yet, but as you think about Tietkala, a large gate appears in front of you with, with a cloud of purple and blue mist. This gate with skulls all around it. These these skulls that have jewels for eyes in them appears. And through it, you see your room in Tietkala. In the keep of Tietkala. Your queen chambers lie beyond the gate. Hope will head to her chambers. And as you begin walking through the gate, Brett goes <clears throat> and motions for the three henchmen to follow, and they slowly get up and take their place by your side and begin walking through the gate. And Brett calls after you, and he says, Don't be a stranger now. If you ever need another night of drinking, I'm your man. Come see me anytime. Hopeful not, then... Good yeah. luck. Should give her signature not. Good luck. We'll see you soon. And as the gate begins closing, you hear Brett beginning to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I kill myself. <laughs> and it just as it disappears as the gate closes behind you. And as the episode closes behind all of us. Whoa. Congratulations. Very intense. There'll be dungeons. Yeah. Uh, That's awesome. I feel bad about Kyle's mic, but it worked out okay in the end. Yeah. Yeah, that's (laughs) right, everybody. There There was almost, you know, what's weird is there was almost, I feel like, I mean, Bo thankfully brought it back, but there was almost like a, you were almost going to have to do like a third or fourth storyline where Nash is on a damn moon. I just, I feel, I would have I felt really bad it. about that. I would have felt I really bad. It. I know, but think about what I was actually asking you to do if I, if we'd have made it up there. Cause you would have had to make a whole, there's a whole city there. Like you would have gone, you would have had it's to. A problem. Go, the moon is a problem that needs to be solved that you've all just been like, whatever, someone else will solve it. <laughs> Somebody else's yeah. problem. You're like, to be fair, you wanted to solve it. Yeah, like, I did. I did. And you I, still can. You can you can leave Stanley now and just say, I'm going to solve this problem. You can yeah, do that. Uh, it was freaking great. I loved every part of that. All right. Uh, next week will be very interesting. So join uh, this new weird band of unknown characters and, uh, the, and hope as they figure out what the heck they're going to do. And who knows what will happen to our old pals back on... Uh, Back in the tower, or where are we now? I forgot where they even ended up. I'm so excited about these on new guys. Airship. Oh yeah, they're the on the airship. airship. Back to Tabacho. That's right, on their way back to Tabacho. You can only find out by tuning back in next week when we do this again. In the meantime, become a Dungeons Plus member and uh, sign up over at the website, which is at therewillbedungeons.com. All the details are there, so you don't need to hear me blab on about them. 
There's a ton of info, a ton of stuff. Go check it out and be a big part of that if you would please. Okay, that's going to do it for us. Thanks for uh, watching, everybody. We will be back next week. Like I said, therewillbedungeons.com is our website. You can find us online at therebedungeons on Twitter. And you can find all our Twitter accounts on the site as well. That's going to do it for us. For me, for Kyle, for Kristen, for John, for Bo, and for all of you, we'll see you next time. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Frog Pants Network. Get more shows like this at frogpants.com.